Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Calm After the Goozle edition of the Jim Cornette Experience. Nobody got fired or choked out this week, although we do have next week's leading candidate, so we're just going to make fun of the wrestling. And here's the man who's joining me. Hawaiian Brian, the podcasting lion, the king of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network, Mr. Co-host to you, the man who will fire you, fight you, or run you a foot race, the great Brian Last, everybody. Hello, Ha Jim. A pleasure to be here once again. Can I interest you in some stock? <laughs> Would you like some stock? Instead of me sending you money, I send you the stock? Yes, don't I'd, sell like it. Some, I'd like some stock, and it's gone. Just hold it. Just don't sell. Hold it. Yeah, yeah, I'm holding myself right now with your stock there, pal. Yeah, we're going to talk about our Wall Street exploits because some of the some of the cult of cornet listeners are regulars out there, and we we love you. Bless your little pee-picking hearts. We love you. We really do. All of the regulars out there who keep coming back for more may know we're a little bit late this week, and and we must share the blame, Brian and myself, because I actually took a vacation day. I'll have you know on Saturday. More on that later. But then also, Brian, you have been the the bell of the media ball. You have been contacted by some people that it's obviously out in public now that you've already been quoted, and some people that it is yet to be revealed have been speaking to you about this whole cast media. Colin Thompson is now, he's He's not even Frank Nitty level. He's not even the enforcer, much less Al Capone. We started out thinking he was the big time crook in this little fucking fiasco and come to find out he's merely, as they used to say, a prawn in the game. And we got bigger fish that are in the process of being hooked and finning for their lives right now. They're, they're fanning those fins out, but they ain't sticking nobody. They're getting stuck. They got hooks in their mouth that's a mile wide and a yard deep, and uh, they're going to be, I think, twisting on vines or lines or whatever the case. Uh, cast, cast media was appropriate. We went casting for crooked fish, and we got some big, we got some whales of fishes, crooked fishes. Uh, basically, I, we got some big fish, so cast media was apropos. I, we could do some fly fishing for big crooked fish. We can, we got the net. We can trap them. Brian, it says that we're going to be we're going to be eating crooked fish for a long time at, at last manor in Castle Cornet. Eating crooked fish. It sounds like Baltimore Harbor. No, I think um, you know we always said uh, privately, and I think we've even said it on the air. There are two big things here. One of them, and we'll talk more about this, is Live One, a publicly traded company, getting in the business with Colin Thompson. The tactics they use to try to strong arm shows like us into deals with them. And we'll again, we'll get into more about that. Live One podcast, one Rob Ellen. But the other big deal is Colin Thompson and this financial fraud. Taking money that was paid for podcasts and diverting it elsewhere. Not supplying accounting. Now there are multiple questions about the actual accounting. And you say I've been busy. I've never been busier because I'm getting hit up by members of the media. We made Billboard. We were in Billboard this past week. See, I, I told you, I, I told you my singing would get us into no, Billboard. It wasn't that uh, that got us in there. It wasn't that section of uh, Billboard. So there are a lot of reporters circling this story. 
there are a lot of investigative reporters circling the story. And, you know, we've gone public and talked about what we have gone through. Theo Vaughn went public, talked about what he went through. Jason Ellis did the same thing. The similarities in all of our stories, and I had never talked to Theo or Jason before all this. Oh, me, me, and, me and Theo go way back. Well, it just so happens all of our stories are very similar of what went on. But there are more people that haven't spoken out. There are more people, you know, we're very public about what we're doing. There's some people that aren't doing that with this. So this, we've been saying it since the beginning. This is a big story and it's going to get bigger. And I still think that's the case. I mean, it's, it's gotten more public and it's getting more attention because it's going farther up the food chain into more potential criminality and or at least the, the very the very least rude behavior let's just put it that way so we can get this legally clear well we'll find out what happens but colin thompson is certainly in a lot of trouble and he can't talk his way out of this one but i'll have you know that what i did this weekend was very pleasurable to me instead of dealing with crooks and criminals and talking about the same thing like you did i took a vacation day saturday what do the kids call it a mental health day where you just the you kids and do, health professionals, yes. Well, you just only do what you want to do, and and that that didn't used to ever be an option, right? It was always that's when you were just a bum, right? I just got to do whatever the fuck I want to do. Well, you're a fucking bum. Now it's a mental health day. You're the king of just doing whatever you want to do. Well, but I work hard at it. You work hard at doing what you want to do? Yeah, exactly. If I want to do something, goddamn, I'm going to have a fucking hernia over it. <laughs> so what we did was, well, no, here's the thing. Uh, Stacy's on vacation this week. Uh, she's gone with our friends in Versailles up to a, a lovely bed and breakfast on the, the, the lake of the, one of those lakes up there out on the outskirts of Michigan. I can't remember exactly where. Hopefully, it's she won't see the Edmund Fitzgerald going down. If it's Lake Gitchy Gumi, we might have trouble. But anyway, she's taking a vacation. Well, I wanted to take a vacation. And then I sat down and I tried to figure out what all I'm supposed to do in the course of a day over that week. And I figured out that I could take two days of vacation after watching all the bad wrestling, talking to you on tape about all the bad wrestling to do these fine shows that we produce and running the uh, Midnight Express action figure launch and et cetera and the preparations for the fulfillment of same and making sure little Harley Quinn's getting fattened back up after her recent bout of illness. I can take two days. I picked Saturday and Wednesday. So on Saturday, I met the Monroe brothers early in the morning at the rock store and bought four tons of creek stone and after i paid for it i left and i let them fucking haul it over to the fucking truck and haul it over here and, and stack it in the backyard the rock store the rock store they got a great rock store not too far from here if you're doing hardscaping they called it there's what they call it whether it's not landscaping with the dirt and the plants but it's the rocks and the blocks and the the hardscaping and we brought four tons of Creekstone over here. And while they were 
prepping another couple of the big maple trees in the back on the hill. That's why we had to get big ones so they won't roll down the hill. They're prepping those trees back there for some nice rock arrangements. I cleaned out the garage. I've got my vehicle in the garage for the first time in a year and a half. I sprayed weed killer. I fucking, I was very active and busy around the house all day Saturday. I didn't uh, acknowledge the outside world except for the Monroe brothers. And I believe I spoke to you briefly. And otherwise, I didn't have to watch bad wrestling or talk about bad wrestling or suffer the presence of people that I didn't feel at that point in time like I wanted to associate with or deal with or put up with. And I enjoyed it so much, I'm doing it again on Wednesday. And, and that's my vacation. For, and, and for those entire days also, I don't feel guilty about not calling the people or doing the things that I don't have time to call or do on a normal everyday basis. Because normally every day I don't call those people or do those things, but I feel bad about it. But when I take a vacation day, I stop feeling bad about not doing it for that day. How many vacation days did you take between 92 and 95? Oh, Jesus Christ. If any. I know a couple of times I had to disappear for a few days just to goddamn not go to prison. Law enforcement? Yeah, that's what I think. No, no, nobody was even looking for me. It, I just, I needed to, before that, it got to that point. I, I would tell Hildebrand, well, I'm just, I, you'll see me on Friday. Maybe six or seven days. But I mean, it was four years. Well, and then we had a few days off for Christmas. But anyway, so that's why, because I got a big, this coming weekend is a big weekend for various reasons. Number one, it is my birthday on Sunday, September 17th, I'll have you know. And for another thing, is this weekend is when now the, Feather Bottoms have processed all these orders for the Midnight Express action figures, the 40th anniversary set that we'll talk about in a second, and we got it all sorted out, and I am going to be starting to personalize all of the photos that require personalization, and the Feather Bottoms are unpacking boxes and getting ready to pack more boxes as we get nearer to starting to be able to fulfill the first round of pre-orders. And so I got a big weekend coming up, and I got to talk to you again this weekend, don't I? At least once. God damn it. You don't have to. I could take off and uh, get someone to fill in. Uh, no, if I'm going to do this, you're going to do it. Maybe Owl Jolson? We're in this together. I love to sing uh, about the moon and the Juna. But anyway, so speaking of which, of the 40th anniversary Midnight Express Collector's Addiction, Addiction, Addic Collect Collection Addiction, yes. It is a collector's addiction. You're going to want to mainline this shit, boy. I'm telling you what. This, I would have to think that this is now the largest independent wrestling merchandise. And I, I don't say independent like an independent promotion, but independently done, not involving major retailers, but the largest independent wrestling merchandising project of all time. And I'll have you know that after, what has it been, uh, eight days and nine days of the on sale, we are down to the last 900 or so of the 2000 
limited edition of the Midnight Express action figure set for our 40th anniversary. It comes with the 28-page full-color book with milestones and historical moments of our careers and all kinds of color pictures. And it comes with an autographed photo of myself, Stan, and Dennis, personalized to your specifications, and a certificate of authenticity. And it's available at jimcornett.com right now. And we're more than halfway gone. So get them while they're hot. We don't know. I don't think. Uh, certainly, they're, they're not going to last till Christmas. Maybe they'll last till Thanksgiving. I got the perfect face for Halloween, but we'll see what happens. But anyway, um, and for the Christmas season, all of our other merchandise, the Cornette Face t-shirts, books, DVDs, etc., goes back up for the Christmas season starting Saturday, October 7th at noon Eastern time. And uh, I just found, Brian, I don't know whether it's a box of 50 or a box of 100. I haven't counted them yet. But Russo restraining orders. Yeah, people always ask me about that, actually. Well, it just, it got annoying to have to run back and forth to the copy shop. And, and I took them down when we closed the old website and didn't put them back up on the new one. But since these, I didn't realize they were in the closet. Uh, these, however many there are, will go up on the 7th. And we're going to give all the money to the Crusade for Children. Uh, but just to get them out of the house, and I'm not going to throw them away, for heaven's sake, when we can raise money for a special needs kids. So check that out October 7th while they last. And did I mention it's my birthday this weekend, Brian? You certainly did. Happy it's birthday. Sunday, Sunday, September 17th. How, what, what did you send me? Well, how does it feel to be 75? Hey, for heaven's sake, don't paint me with that kind of accusation i'm a spry 62 i'm a spring chicken actually a lot of people have told me in the past i have the body of a 30 year old and they told me to give it back i was getting it all wrinkled and stretched <laughs> but anyway um i say this not because i'm trying to solicit gifts what you send me just send me a check i'll, I'll get my own present i don't trust your judgment but I'm not trying to solicit gifts, but to explain why I'm about to thank people for gifts that I did not solicit, that were unsolicited gifts. And I got my list here. Hold on. Your, your best friend who I'm taking away from you. Have you heard from Charlie from Starkville lately? Uh, not in the last, you know, a few minutes or anything, no. The last few minutes, like maybe a few months or whatever. Well, I mean, I am Charlie from Starkville. No, you're not. We've, we've disproven that already because he has a brother and, and you're not pulling a Tony Clifton thing. So Charlie from Starkville sent me and Stacy both birthday presents and I got the complete Twilight Zone series on DVD. I'll have you know. The whole thing, I don't even know how many discs it is. It's like, it's thick. It's just plain big. <laughs> and you're going to say... How the heck, Jim, did you not have the Twilight Zone TV series on video already? Well, I did, but it was VHS, so I've upgraded now. To DVD. But I'm keeping the VHSs, because I like the boxes. Andy sent the Munsters series box set on DVD for Stacy. Oh, there you go. And his brother, you know his baby. Well, see, I know the whole family. I'm friends with all of them now. See, you just have a superficial business relationship. 
But his brother Will sent a nice gift card for Stace also. And Donnie from Ohio, you know who you are, out of the blue sent me a vintage Buddy Rogers publicity picture. It, it The old black and white. You know who you are, um, Donnie the Kiss-Ass. Hey, but it's not like a reproduction of it. It's a legitimate, you can tell that it's been thumbtacked up on the corners and everything, but uh, I would say uh, possibly late 40s, early 50s area, area, era, Buddy Rogers publicity picture. You can tell it's real. It says, fuck Carl Gotch. Well, that, maybe that's why he had a goddamn cast on his wrist uh, in the picture. But anyway, also Mark Cole, and I swear I'm going to do an interview with you or something someday. I swear, Mark, but he sent me a Wendy's gift card, a way to a corny's heart is through his stomach. And Sounds like a legit journalist. Hey, here's some uh, gift cards. Do an interview well, with me. It's, it's Wendy's. Oh, do you like Best Buy? No, we exchange cards and stuff. He's, oh, he's, been, okay. he's been around. Uh, I, he's another person I never have time to call. Uh, and Gabe Fagluzzi, I hope I'm saying that right, a cult of cornet member sent me a custom-made corny coin. On the back of it, it says, in corny we trust and everything. And I'm putting that in my coin collection. How much stock would you like for it? Well, I tell you what, you get, send me, um, how, how are we going to work that with the corny coin? I'll send all the Cornets Collectibles customers ten dollars in corny coin and then when they send it back to me i this time i'll just keep it rather than sending them anything so that way i'll come out ahead right right i get all the corny coins made see before the the flying the ointment was that they were sending me back stuff and i was sending them merchandise and and then i had the same shit i started with but they got the merchandise for nothing so this time I'm going to make up all the corny coins and send them to the customers. And then when the customers send them back to me, I'm just going to keep them and not send any merchandise out. And that'll show them. And then I'll get rich, right? Because I'll have all the corny coins back that the people sent me and send out nothing in return. Well, that's, that's foolproof. You could stop with fool. Well, wait, what, what's the matter with that now? You're going to have a bunch of valueless currency all to yourself? Mm. What are you going to do with it? I'd have all of it. Who are you going to use it with? Who's going to take that currency in exchange for what? Well, wait a minute. Oh, I know. People that do podcasts. <laughs> I can take this meaningless currency and offer it to them instead of the money that I owe them. That stock, right. that stock, by the way, right now, currently, as we are recording uh, at the moment, is $3.37 a share. Three thirty-seven down from $8 on Friday. The next trading day. Down is, a dollar uh, two today. Well, that's because it dropped so far on Friday that it didn't have so far to fall today. Well, and while we're at it, let's just update that also that uh, Colin Thompson has been asked to not be a part of podcast one or live one or whatever this organization is calling itself this week to stay ahead of the law. Colin Thompson. Now publicly they're saying, Nope, we're, we're not, we're not going to employ him. He's not going to come aboard. That That's the latest story they're telling. How many stories does this make? They're telling 
he was coming. Yeah. Then he might come. Then he, well, we're not sure if he's coming. Well, then he's not going to come. Colin told me on the phone that he was selling his company to Podcast One, which of course would have facilitated us being paid back, and him and his team were going there. The email that we got talking about the potential deal that they wanted us to take was all about how we would be continuing with our cast team. Nothing in there, in terms of the way it was written, indicated Colin's not going to be a part of this. Other shows have now come out, Theo Vaughn said it, that he was told Colin's going to be a part of this that these guys defended him. When we went public and people started asking about that, they were all of a sudden told, reporters were told, from what I understand, that there were no guarantees that Colin's going to have a job. But they didn't completely back away from it. And then when Theo Vaughn went public, and this got a lot of attention in the last few days, when the stock went public that morning, they released a statement that Colin Thompson will no longer be involved, or is not going to be with Podcast One or the parent company Live One. Doesn't say he's not going to be compensated, by the way. Doesn't say he's not going to receive stock for cash shows that go there. We need to find out about all that. But apparently Colin Thompson won't be working there, and it took Theo Vaughn coming out for them to finally get there, because he was already so toxic to anyone who already knows the situation. You're asking yourself, how could a publicly traded company move forward with him. It makes no sense. They were trying to. They were hoping that... They did their best. They were hoping that the angry wrestlers and the skateboarders would be ignored. And then all of a sudden, it's got attention, and Colin had to go. Well, but so would, would, it, would it work? Where, where are the, the Live One audience, audiences? Where are the Live One offices, the Podcast One offices? Out there in the West Coast of Colorado, <laughs> Wyoming, New Mexico, California, somewhere... Well, I certainly can't speak to their audience, but I could say I think they're on West Hollywood. Oh, well, uh, Collins, he's on his own private island now with all the money that he embezzled somewhere. But we don't know that it's embezzlement, and that's part of the problem. We have no idea where all these millions of dollars went. You think about various options, and you're like, well, how could all of that money disappear for any of these things? I mean, there's just no reasonable answer to any of the questions. Well, now, wait a minute. Now, I know they've set a precedent for money disappearing, and, and now the stock price is disappearing, and it's gone. So they're, they're dropping like a turd in a toilet bowl is the stock price of this venture. So I've, they've, they've shown a proclivity, you like that word, a proclivity for being able to lose money, a talent for it. So I'm, I'm pretty sure they could... They could fucking lose money in any situation easily, these, these folks. Well, more, more on as we, as we hear more reports from the real detectives that are on the, uh, the cases, uh, we will fill people in on that. And uh, just so you know, Reggie's Corner will return as soon as I have time to go through the emails and we stop talking. Last week, what did they do? 15 pay-per-views and 74 hours of wrestling television. We didn't have, we had to put the rest of the world on pause while we got all that taken care of. But for the folks who have emailed, we're trying to muddle through a variety of them and, and hopefully yours will make it, but that will return as soon as possible. Um, but I do have a nice email that I wanted to read because this, not only is it wishing well to a cult of Cornette member, uh, in a bad health situation, but also it shows 
one of the more, more devoted spouses that you can possibly imagine nice enough to write this email, I thought I would read it. Can we do something heartwarming without taking the piss out of somebody for once on the program? I don't know if we can, but we could try. Well, we'll try. Uh, this is from Tricia on behalf of her and her husband, Chris. She says, I wanted to reach out for a weird reason. I personally am a mid-level wrestling fan. I enjoy it enough and no more than the average person. However, my husband is a lifelong wrestling fan, loves his old school trivia, watched all forms of it through the years, has even made me visit parking lots of where stadiums and arenas used to be during our road trips. I know the wrestling world lost a couple of big names this week. Of course, this was a couple of weeks ago with Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. But you also almost lost a cult of Cornette member. Last week, he had a Widowmaker heart attack that he somehow beat the odds on. Oh, my God. The reason I'm reaching out is because I don't know if you both, Jim and Brian, know how important you are in people's lives. As my husband struggled in the ICU, I would go home at night with my son, get him to bed, reassure him we were going to be okay, and then sit on the couch in the quiet of our house that's been filled with our little family's raucousness for almost two decades. Each night, even though I'm a passive cornet fan, I would put on your podcast. I'm so used to hearing both of your voices in my house, I would know when my partner was up for the morning because I'd hear Corny yelling about cars on his fence. I would know when he was making dinner because I could hear Brian denying what the advertised products really do. <laughs> and at that moment, I could hear you both and have comfort in familiarity, even to the point where I was smiling listening to Jim retell the memory of Terry Funk ripping off his pants and let me tell you, there hasn't been a lot of smiles here the last seven or so days. Uh, it's been a hard week for this family, but thank you for being there even when you had no idea. As he's recovered some, I've been able to tell him what he missed from the experience and drive through And Saturday at noon, I'll be on the site to try and get him a glad you're still here Midnight Express present. I hope you made it, Tricia. And uh, honestly, he could ask for a bar of gold and I'd get him that without a second thought. My heart goes out to you and the wrestling world family in general for the loss of Funk and Bray, but thank you for the bottom of my heart for unknowingly bringing comfort to me and mine. And that's from Trisha and Chris. And Chris, we hope you feel tons better quick, but uh, Trisha, you're a, 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 once you do get out of the hospital, Chris, for having to buy her a present, because what a, what a wonderful wife you've got. I thought that was somewhat, usually we warm people's asses around here or hold their feet to the fire, but that's a heart warmer. I wanted to read that. Yeah, get well soon, and uh, what a wonderful wife. Well, speaking of your wonderful professional wife, Brian Solomon, you guys are joined at the hip. No, what? He's, a, he's one of your protégés. You've taught him everything he knows. He works for you over at the Wrestling News. He works for Arcadian Vanguard. Of course, he's the news director for the Wrestling News, but he has learned plenty on his own. He has a long history in uh, magazines and he wrestling journalism. History. He has a long history of making mistakes and learning from them. No, he's one of the... I actually think he's one of the best wrestling reporters, not even a reporter, but wrestling journalists out there. He gets his shit right. Well, that's true. That's like being the nicest guy in prison these days. I'll tell you that. But no, Brian Solomon, I'm just, I'm joshing, Brian. We love you and we care about you. And we hope that 
you know, you get some good news from your parole officer. Is he but, sick too? What are we doing here? Um, no, get no, well no. soon. I don't even hear about this. No, I wouldn't say get well. I just said we love him and we care about him. And hopefully he'll get out of that that little mess he's got into on Long Island. Nevertheless. He's not in any mess. He doesn't even live in Long Island. Well, that's, that's one of the problems. He, he needed to establish residency before you get one of those kind of licenses. But anyway. So Brian Solomon has done something, has uncovered a factoid, a piece of information that has heretofore, for the last, what, 35 years, been completely ignored in the wrestling industry and has changed. We've caught the WWE in a massive mistake that has spread, as far as I'm aware of, to pretty much every other uh, goddamn website or people who report on this type of thing. And he uncovered that the honky-tonk man's intercontinental title reign, you know when they've been talking about Roman Reigns champion for X number of days, and now they've made a big deal of that here in the modern era. Gunther's been champion for X number of days. If he goes so-and-so many more days, he'll beat the record of the honky-tonk man, blah, blah, blah. Honky Talk Man, they had his number of days in his reign wrong all these years because they didn't count 1988 for being a leap year. Did you you saw this reporting from the incomparable Brian Solomon, the the goddamn Edward R. Murrow of wrestling? I did see that, and uh, I believe he grew up not too far from Edward R. Murrow High School. But yeah, I did see that, and it was surprising that no one has picked up on this all these years. Well, yeah, it was just accepted, I guess. Or I, I would assume the WWE or F is the first ones who began publicizing this, right? But nevertheless, they, they were a day short. They were, they, instead of being a day late and a dollar short, they were a day short. And according to Honky Tonk Man, several hundred thousand dollars short from what they should have paid him. But so then I'm going to ask you this question. Now with all of the, remember the video they did? Uh, what big landmark page was it? WrestleMania or when was it when Roman was going to break another record? And they have the the videos of all of the champions, NWA, WWE, where the Whipper Billy Watson, X number, 100 days and all that. I remember the right? video. I don't remember the event. Okay. And here's another thing, not just the WWE, but whoever counts these things up, did anybody think of that? Does that mean that Bruno's first run is off two, day, two days? Because he would have gone through two leap years, right? Does that mean Thez from 1948 to 1956? Has anybody figured that out? Or is that wrong? There'd be another two leap years at, at, at minimum. You might get, yeah. would you get three in there if you worked it just right? I don't know. Hulk Hogan said that because of leap years, he worked 500 times in a year. Oh, God damn it. That's only in Japan, where he, the, the, all the people are shorter. He was able to leap them easier. But yeah, so how does this fuck up what everybody's been talking about for all this time? Has, has Solomon opened a Pandora's box of mathematicians' nightmares? No. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's that severe. I mean, uh, you know, it's an interesting fact. Well, goddamn, they're going to have to get one of these goddamn modern computers to figure all this shit out, aren't they? I guess so. Go ahead. I cut you off. What were you going to say? I, I cut myself off. I don't really oh, have too much to say. I mean, 
It's well, not going to change what's anything. Gonna happen, what's going to happen to Strangler Lewis's legacy? When did they start leap year? When did they get when did they get so close with measure and time and the time space continuum and however they figure that out up in the Greenwich Observatory where they could narrow it down to the nub that we got to have an extra day every four years or elsewise the Earth's going to spin off its axis and everybody's going to go to hell. Leap year uh, in 46 BCE, the Julian calendar introduced a leap day every four years. Well, but- now just no, just because they had it doesn't mean that that we've had it in the United States maybe since 1964 or whatever. So. When did leap year start in this fucking country? The Gregorian calendar reformed the concept in 1582 by eliminating leap years in century years that weren't exactly divisible by 400. That doesn't tell me anything about the United States (laughs) of by God America, which is where George Hackenschmidt and Jim Londos and Strangler Lewis and Frank Gotch are waiting for their legacies to be ripped apart by this fucking loophole. I'm trying to see when it was introduced in uh, the United States. There are full, I mean, Wikipedia. Leap year. Yeah, I know what it is. Wikipedia has in a giant thing. In the United States. We, we, because they had daylight savings time. Wouldn't that be the same goddamn thing? They just brought that around in the roaring 20s or something, didn't they? When did they first need to start saving daylight? When they found out we were running out of it. Why don't you know the answers to these fucking questions, Once Brian? again, Once again, here's an answer for you. By 1582 AD... That slight discrepancy in the Julian calendar added up to 10 days, so Pope Gregory VIII created the Gregorian calendar, coined the term leap year, and established February 29th as the official date to add to the leap year. All right, wait a minute. What, what did they do with those 10 days that they, they were off? They added, it- they, they added them to the calendar, it says here. Well, then what all of a sudden did we goddamn just, they didn't have fucking Thursday until then. And then, oh, we got to add a couple of days. No, did somebody, we should have got 10 days of vacation and then start even from scratch. Yeah, how come they haven't updated that at all since then with all the weather changes and everything? Maybe they should change the calendar again. Yeah. And our orbit could be different. Has any, is anybody checking this shit? Have they got a protractor out seeing if this is still the right measurements? No wonder the weather's off. God damn it. Anyway, get, folks out there in the audience, get back to us on this if you know more than Brian Last does about when they finally ratified leap year in the United States so we can when they rip up it. all the all the <laughs> history books. They had to ratify so it. Rip up the history books? What? Yeah, they're all wrong. They rip that shit up, ban them like they do all the other books in school about the shit they don't want to teach anymore. I've never heard, I mean, I never even thought about this idea or this topic before, but are you saying that you don't think leap year existed? Like, I mean, when you were born, there was a, there was leap years, right? Well, I'm not that old. It sounds like we've had leap year going back to the 1500s. No, we didn't have shit going back. I'm talking about here in the United States, around the world. There's a lot of knowledge, scientific knowledge, medical knowledge that existed in the world that other people weren't smart enough to pick up on for hundreds of years, right? But it sounds like they may so, have brought this over with them because I'm not seeing anything here about the U.S. not having leap who, years. Who brought it over with who? The Gregorians? The Pilgrims. Who did, who did they ever beat? The Pilgrims. And they who, leapt off the Mayflower and they... Well, I didn't know the Pilgrims were necessarily of, of the Gregorians. Because it sounds different to me. Pilgrim, Gregorian. Sounds like you'd be doing two different fucking things. So, 
every if four they years. agreed with the Gregorians, maybe that would be. But then again, the Pilgrims didn't establish the government. That was our founding fathers. They came like a hundred years after the fucking their fathers who founded the shit. What do you think of daylight savings? I'm in favor of saving some of it for a rainy day, but it it. Actually, I, I haven't even changed the clock in my truck yet from this spring, where we spring ahead before we fall back, because I'm hardly in the car anymore, so I didn't really want to go to the trouble, so now I'm just waiting, because in another few weeks, it'll be right again. Well, All speaking right. of somebody else who might be right again in another few weeks, what are we hearing about Matt Riddle and his airport assault? Whoa, so... um. I don't know exactly, because this story just popped up yesterday as I was in the middle of all the cast stuff, and I thought it was one thing, and then I read another thing, and I thought it was another. I have an article here from the New York Post. Well, no, 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 hold on. Before you give the headline, here's how I saw it. Here's how I saw it. When I turned on the Twitter machine this morning, I saw Matt Riddle claims he was sexually assaulted at airport. And I'm, what the fuck? That must have been a stout woman. And come to find out. <laughs> Why was that where your mind went? A well, stout God woman. damn it, to be able to hold him down and do whatever's necessary, you'd have to be a. That's not, that's corn, not necessarily what Corn fed farm woman of some description, <laughs> able to carry your own weight and birth them children at the same time. But uh, then to come to find out, it's a member of the, the, the TSA or the the PTA or whoever it is that pats you down and feels you up in the course of ensuring our nation's safety in the air. Then there was, and, and then he apparently thought better of what he had claimed and deleted that, but not before everybody and their brother on Instagram copied it and ran with it and made hoo-ha over it. And TMZ picked it up, and that's what you were about to read. I just want to bring people up to date on... What actually happened? Well, actually, the article I have here is from the New York Post, Amanda Woods and Jesse O'Neill. WWE star Matt Riddle accuses cop of sex assault at JFK Airport. WWE wrestler Matt Riddle accused a cop of sexually assaulting him at New York City's JFK Airport in a since-deleted online post on Sunday. Riddle, 37, Posted a photo of... 37. The, I can't hear that number without thinking of Luke and Butch. Go ahead. Posted a photo of the alleged offending Port Authority officer <laughs> on his Instagram account as he was so passing... Vague. So he... Wait a minute. So he put up a picture of the guy that he says grabbed his franken beans or or did whatever the... So he's, he's basically saying to his Instagram public, this person is a sex offender. Here's a picture of him. That can't end well, can it? Well, once again, he uh, posted a photo of the offending officer on his Instagram as he was passing through Queens on a flight from India. Yes, he was passing through Queens. On a flight from India. He was coming back from the Indian tour. But I mean, this is, when you go to an airport and you are entering and then leaving that airport on a different flight, it's not like, oh, I'm passing through fucking Queens. You're you're connecting at the airport. He wasn't, like, parading down the streets of the fucking city. I know. Last time I passed through Queens, I ended up in the Bronx. But anyway, let's go back to this. <laughs> Here's a quote from Matt Riddle. Nothing like being sexually assaulted and harassed at JFK Airport. No means no. <laughs> Hold on, I did not read this until I saw this. I don't need to laugh at that. No means no, and just because I'm nice doesn't mean yes. Uh, Asshole! 
with three exclamation points. Wait a minute, is that what was touched on him, or is that a, a, an epithet that he's throwing out? Well, it's not uh, It's not specified here, but I believe he's calling the man an asshole based on the three exclamation points. Otherwise, he that's what he's saying. He's saying, if it was it, asshole! <laughs> if it was where he was assaulted, it would be three question marks. Well, the original bro, um, let's see. Definitely one of the most uncomfortable travel days I've ever had. Thanks, NYC. You're so progressive and accepting. The since-deleted post concluded. Wait, wait a minute. He, he just left India where 20 years ago they went over there on a tour and everybody got sick and William Regal almost died. And now the worst thing that happens is the TSA guy gets too aggressive on the between-the-legs frisk and he's fucking swearing off New York City. Officers were called after a, quote, heavily intoxicated riddle <laughs> was, quote, acting disruptive as he transferred flights while returning from India, where he had participated in WWE's Superstar Spectacle. <laughs> and he certainly made one of himself. <laughs> <laughs> no police report was reportedly filed in connection with the incident, but the agency launched an investigation into the claims, a Port Authority police spokesman told the Post Monday. And here's uh, the picture of this guy. No police report was filed. Uh, we said that. Port Authority police did not immediately respond to a request for comment from the post. Riddle did leave up an Instagram post that read, Finally leaving JFK, and I never want to come back here again. The self-proclaimed... Chances are, with his picture right on the inside of the door, they won't let him. The self-proclaimed marijuana enthusiast was written off the WWE last year for six weeks under the guise of a new creative direction. But in actuality, Riddle was sent to rehab after failing two drug tests, Bodyslam.net reported. Riddle was himself accused of sexual assault by fellow pro wrestler Candy Cartwright in 2020. She dismissed the lawsuit against him in connection with the alleged attack three years later. TMZ said. Reach for comment. Matt Riddle said, Bruh! <laughs> and that's the story. Bro, I don't know. I just, he grabbed me. Hey, I've asked you this before about other people. It may even be about Riddle, but I don't think it has been. I think it's been other people. No matter how talented you think someone is, at what point do you cut bait? Well, I... Again, there's... There's always with guys in the wrestling business for all the all the years there's been a wrestling business. Sometimes guys get in trouble because they are celebrities, they are who they are, they're public figures, and a lot of crazy people followed the boys around, especially in the territory days. And sometimes the guys get in trouble because they're their own worst enemies and they are the fucking crazy people that are following them around and doing shit. And, you know, it's, it's hard to judge, especially these days when you can, the idiots on Twitter and all the people who can start rumors and people will believe it because there's so many ridiculously over the top things that happen in this business that turn out to be true. You'll believe anything. And so that's the problem with where do you, you know, where do you draw the line? You can't speculate, and especially the fans can't speculate. 
really a lot of times on, you know, on guys because you don't know the whole story. But with with this guy or with some of the things that we've heard about just testimony over and over, it's like the cast media thing from everybody's got the same kind of basic story about them. Well, if everybody's got kind of the same basic story about all kinds of shit about he's just out in public and people are seeing him, there are witnesses or there are police called or there is actionable actions taken to kick people out of hotels or to foul suits or whatever. If maybe he just needs to get his shit together. And maybe that, that you know, the dull-witted, hey, bro, thing is is not him working maybe he's just dull-witted and doesn't fucking think before he does anything out in a public place but i don't know what do you think brian does maybe he could just take a another little break and come back and you know regather his thoughts i don't know because you know the last time he took a break and he came back to me and i've never been a big fan of his but it didn't really fit anymore the way it had before, you know, the bloodline and Sammy had taken off. Remember when he came back, they tried to slot him in there on Raw, like right with the main people. And to me, it didn't work. Now, he is over with their fans and they like him and he's a headache. And as we are recording today, today's the very last day the McMahon family owns WWE. So it's new ownership. Good point. Are they going to? And he's a former UFC fighter. So there are people within that company who may know him already, are they going to put up with Matt Riddle if it's going to be every few months he ends up on TMZ for something that, if you're the boss, you may be embarrassed by? Well, and also, here's the thing. When he came back from rehab, is, is, it, is it the best thing that you have a guy whose gimmick is that he's stoned all the time, but he just got back from rehab? Does that kind of take the, the humor and or the enjoyment off of it? The, the smiles off of people's faces? Yeah, he's... He's still stoned, but he just came back from rehab. And that's, you know, does he have another personality? Could he be anyone else? Or is he just goofy riddle, bro? I think that's I don't it. know. Maybe, maybe they can send him through Newark from now on. How about LaGuardia? We really make it a punishment. Oh, God, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yes, I would. I can think several people I'd wish that on. They'd get lost there and never come out. Um, Real quickly, I know it's been a couple of weeks, but we're trying to catch up from all the 18,000 pay-per-views. But we got a number of emails about the all-in, both the live experience and a pay-per-view experience. And I picked a couple of them out because they both involved somebody who knew what was going on kind of, and somebody who was a novice type of fan or just a casual person, right? So we get both viewpoints in the same emails. And this one is from Remy. I don't know if Remy, R-E-M-Y, is a male or a female, so I will just call them them. Dear Jim, I recently watched the AEW All-In pay-per-view for free at a friend's house during a brunch get-together. Where only two out of the ten people in attendance had ever even heard of AEW. <laughs> Apparently, the friend that was having the brunch commandeered the television and said, everybody's going to watch this. But anyway, I thought you might like to hear how non-wrestling fans reacted to this premium live event. By far, the match that got the most reaction 
was the Plummer Moxley Stadium Stampede, and it was definitely not positive. Some of the comments shouted were, why would anyone do this to themselves? Who's on whose team again? And of course, who the hell is that old lady in the van and why did she bring cupcakes? There were also many other times throughout the morning. Morning, um, good God, well, maybe they were playing a tape rather than... But other times throughout the morning when people repeatedly kept asking, why are so many of these fights about being someone's best friend? My girlfriend, who had seen many WWE matches because of me up until this point, seemed extremely put off by the whole ordeal, along with many others in attendance, with the stadium stampede being the low point in which female in question left the room in disgust. Well, that's from the casual folks at the brunches. I don't know if that makes up all of the AEW audience, but they ask pithy questions. Yeah, right? I don't know if AEW is big with the brunch crowd. The brunch crowd. <laughs> but here's a live event report. I'll have a mimosa. Now, wait a minute. You've got to get the, I'll have a mimosa. you got to get the, this is the live event. What voice were you doing? It's a very, it's a lilting, it's like a queen, uh, what a Camilla type of thing. Well, she didn't, they didn't say they were at the event. They said they were watching it for brunch. No, this one is. Oh. That one was brunch. This one is live. That was so your, they'd all have British accents. That was your Camilla? They would sound like Camilla. That's not bad. Camilla Parker, but here's the thing. He was, he had Diana. He had Diana because for fuck's sake, look at him. He looked like a cross between a basset hound and a fucking beagle. With that face that was melting. It looked like his face was melting. Will you stop it? Enough and people made fun of his ears. Diana, and you gotta... but, th but then he goes back to Camilla. Oh, my God. She had so many wrinkles on her face. When she wore long earrings, she looked like Venetian blinds. And But when I, they took their clothes off, she obviously did something that he could never get past. That's troll the fucking fat rolled out, and he couldn't get past it. <laughs> She's he was still, fat. He was still you... searching. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is why there will be no more UK tours for Jim Corner. Well, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Diana, Camilla, something's not wrong or not right with that picture. <laughs> anyway, Harry. Harry Oh, Palmer. no. You, no. You're going to say he's not Prince Charles' son? No, he's not. Pre Harry is from Epping. Or is that his last name, Harry Epping? There's a dash there. Maybe there is a place called Epping. Harry Epping, over there in, in the England. UK. Yeah. Yeah, Epping, England. Uh, wrote, I attended All In with my girlfriend who doesn't watch wrestling, but we went for something to do over the bank holiday weekend. They got that bank holiday over there. I don't know what... In the United States, banks are almost never open. Like a, a banker's hours, that's where that came from. Apparently, over there, they, it's a big holiday that they're closed. Anyway, we wanted to give you some idea of who the crowd cared for because I've already watched some matches back on TV, and it didn't represent the whole stadium. And you know that it because here's the thing. You will find in a big event, high-priced tickets, the people that go... And and go for the high price tickets down close to the ring are usually the most diehard fans, the most dedicated, and they are somewhat the most jaded, right? And they've seen everything. But when you get a real big crowd that includes casual people from the city or whatever, if there is such a thing anymore, 
those people up in the cheap seats are hopping up and down and just throwing the babies in the air, right? Over some things the people on the floor might not like. So anyway, Joe and Punk's match was massively over. Still a ton of mixed reactions to Punk, but both guys got huge chance, and my girlfriend was super into this. Trio's match, Golden Elite versus Bullet Club Gold. Why can't somebody be silver or platinum? Here's another thing I'm asking. Golden Elite versus Bullet Club Gold. Finger Bang had some big chants throughout the stadium. And Take a Shit actually had a Take a Shit chant at one point. I wonder if they were saying it like that. I don't think the crowd was super into it compared to other matches. Girlfriend wasn't really into this. FTR versus Buckaroos. This was genuinely crazy. Plenty of Buckaroos and FTR fans going at each other and made this even better. Every near fall for both teams had a super loud reaction. Both teams had the crowd on strings. Girlfriend again liked this match. Anarchy Arena match. Too much going on at once. Couldn't keep up watching. Even when people came out in the rafters, people couldn't really tell. All the shithousery that happened in the ring got a big pop. Girlfriend was more shocked than anything. Her words, why the fuck would he do that? Referring to the plumber spot with the sticks in the head. More cringing than cheering for this match. Well, that's what you want to do. You want to make the crowd cringe a lot. Uh, women's four-way. Piss break. Jericho versus Osprey. As much as I felt this was a vanity project, especially with the Queen reference at Wembley, <laughs> Jericho's entrance was hard not to get sucked into. Well, that, that could be true because it sucks so hard, right, Brian? No, because I think even if you don't like Jericho, if you're surrounded by that many people that, especially for that big occasion, are into singing his yeah. song, it's I could see why it would get tough. Why it would get tough. Why it would be tough not to get sucked into the vortex of Jericho. Yeah, well, and I was making a joke there. That's what he says. Jericho's entrance was hard not to get sucked into. Spine chilling with 80,000 singing Judas. Both guys over and both guys got massive reactions throughout the match. Girlfriend commented on if the whole springing around from Osprey was necessary, but still enjoyed it. Uh, trios titles, which was acclaimed at, I think, the House of Black, or who was it? Yeah. Uh, girlfriend said, I ain't scissoring no daddy ass. And the main event was... Was someone asking her to? What the, why would that be your comment? Well, because the acclaimed were involved. And everybody was, you know, does the scissor me daddy ass? Okay. Apparently she's not a daddy ass fan of the scissoring of the, the jello pudding. And the main event, we were eating out of their palms. Even after all the bullshit and great matches through the night, the crowd for 40 minutes pretty much was on the edge of their seats. And I've never experienced anything like this. Oh, you young people. MJFs, we are going to go until we get a fucking winner at Wembley. Blew the roof off the roofless Wembley and everyone was on their feet going crazy. So, uh, and he said, I think everyone expected a controversial ending and didn't get it in the sense of a title change, but the crowd was happy nonetheless. So there you, the, the girlfriends are the ones that get through to the meat of the matter, so to speak, and ask the, the pithy questions that we all basically say logical people ask. Apparently it's the women that have their heads screwed on straight. They got to start screwing the guys more often on straight. 
All right, well, these were the live notes from AEW All In. Of course, if you want to be a part of this, next year they'll be returning to Wembley. Boy, I'll tell you, wait a minute, there's a... What is that? Right now there's a helicopter. It's the second time this morning a helicopter has flown over my house at a low level. I'm starting to think that Rob Ellen has hired somebody to keep an eye on me. He said the SEC didn't take kindly to our threats. Anyway. What are you going to think when I start a new company called Podcast 2? Oh, touche. He hadn't got it trademarked. No. I will be the owner of Podcast 2. And then when Podcast 1 goes out of business and Podcast, like when Mr. Wrestling 1 retired, <laughs> Mr. Wrestling 2 was on. Then he just became Mr. Wrestling. So then you'll just be Podcast. Coincidentally enough, Podcast 1 is trying to pump itself up like Hercules Hernandez. <laughs> I was there at, at Channel 3 in Shreveport. We were doing the local promos the one day, and, and people remarked on this that were fans at the time. I may have it on tape. I don't know if anybody, if it exists now. But we're doing the local promos for the, the live events. And I'm managing Hercules. And he's working with Duggan in a coal miner's glove match or whatever. And I would do the promo, and then I would... You know, like the Yoko thing with Bonsai, I'd give Hercules, because I knew I wasn't going to be with him for the rest of his life. I wanted him to have some speaking also. I'd give him the big pithy go-home line or whatever. And one time I said whatever I was going to say, and he just hit a double bicep and said, look at this, Duggan, 10 Diana Ball a day. <laughs> and the audience had no idea what he was talking about. They didn't but... in 1984. They had no fucking clue, but it aired like that. <laughs> it aired. Cause what the fuck? Nobody, nobody knew, cared, didn't matter. I have a feeling that's probably more Diana Ball a day than you're supposed to take, though. At least in 1984, in whatever fashion he was getting it. Yeah, where where did guys get their shit in mid south? Um, well, the same thing is if you went to a gym. A uh, workout facility, not like a, not like gyms now, like where the soccer moms go to run on the treadmill. But if you went to a place where guys worked out, football players, bodybuilders, wrestlers, whatever the case, in any part of the United States in those days, you would probably be gratified not instantly, but fair, very fairly shortly thereafter. Because nobody, you couldn't even get in trouble. It was, it wasn't illegal yet. It ain't illegal yet. Was that a funkadelic? All right, well, the moment we've been waiting for, we're going to start talking about the wrestling that we've watched over the past week because we're going to get it over with. And now we've officially, after we talk about these three programs that we've seen since the last time that we recorded one of these five episodes, we will be caught up all, all in and all out and payback and refund and all these countless hours that we watched over the past couple of weeks have now we we will officially be caught up when we talk about SmackDown and AEW's two offerings over the last five days. Is that correct, Brian Last? We will be caught up in terms of the reviews that we do, but you know, during this period of time as we were recording this, someone could do something stupid like get fired or accuse a cop of sexual assault at the airport or who knows what. Well, and we're going we're gonna to hope for the best. If we can just get finished with this one program before somebody else gets fired, choked out, or whatever. And, and Riddle, you know, we, we got our eye on you. We believe you're next week's front runner. But anyway, let's talk about SmackDown. 
on Friday night, September the 8th, because, of course, this was the first SmackDown telecast after the big payback, the big get back, as James Brown would say. And they started off with a payback package. And I felt again like I needed to be paid back for paid back. Now, um, but the refund I wanted was the opening match was Charlotte and Shotzi against Bailey and EO. And they they actually outdid themselves this time. They managed to go to break one minute after the match started. They couldn't even make it two this week. So that was the takeaway that I got from that match was a departure from the normal format and going to break quicker, which obviously will help the program. What did you think of this contest? I didn't watch it because <laughs> I like Charlotte. I think Bailey's good. I think EO's great uh, right now. Um, Shotzi's kind of a Shotzi is kind of go home heat with me. I just there's something about Shotzi. I don't enjoy her matches at all. So I try not to watch them. But to be honest with you, it's all about we have this much time. Yeah. There's this much wrestling to watch. I'm very sorry, but this was one of the matches. This is like, you know, Daniel Garcia and 2.0 versus three people you've never seen before. That's well, we'll, we'll get to matches. we'll get to the three people we've never seen before on the AEW review. They outdid themselves the other night, but that's the thing is how much wrestling can people watch and retain, even if they watch all of it? What is gonna if you don't have a job, a family, a pet, any commitments? And you can watch, what did we say, 27 hours of wrestling in that one week from the two companies. How much are you well, going to retain? The other thing is, what are you going to get from a match? If you go based on what the promotions give you, in AEW, just about every single match on that show, you can have near falls and people kicking out of everything. WWE, the matches don't mean anything. It's all about the story. No one, gives a hell, no one gives a shit what happens in any of these matches. Yeah. It's all about how it's going to further whatever story is going on. I think with AEW, it's kind of similar, but they focus on that and they have a fan base for that. But that's the thing. You watch this match. Is there an angle coming out of it? That I'm going to stop and watch. But just to watch everyone do the same moves they always do and kick out of everything and the modern style for a lot of things. And again, I'm not limiting it to this women's day. Hey, match. it's almost like wrestling these days. They're holding you in a, a concrete bunker room. You have nothing except the clothes you're wearing and you're staring at a concrete wall. No TV, no radio, no book, no phone, no nothing. It's just boredom, hours of sheer boredom. And suddenly, somebody opens a door and lets you out into a fucking war zone. And there's goddamn bombs falling and people shooting at you and shit blowing up and things on fire. Oh my God. Oh Jesus Christ. And you're there for like hours and you finally, it almost becomes normal. You're like, well, fuck, they haven't got me yet. And then they put you back in the fucking room. It goes from boredom to chaos and back. Anyway, the story of SmackDown with the bloodline was that Jimmy was there and he's now told Paul Lee that he's still in the bloodline. He's made his decision. He's still in. And Paul is telling him that Solo and Roman are not there tonight, but Jimmy is not in till Roman says he's in. But then Paul gets flummoxed because Jimmy's not happy, and Paul says, hey, handle AJ tonight, and I'll handle bringing the family back together. 
So that, that there ain't going to be no Roman tonight. There ain't going to be no Jay. Paul's around trying to get Jimmy to do his stooge work. And then Paul Heyman walks not even 20 feet away from where they've just had this interaction, him and Jimmy. And there's AJ Styles just standing there. He could have fucking heard the goddamn conversation where they just were. Do you see what I'm saying, Brian? It's like suddenly he's crossed a desert and he's come to this other guy. It was so obvious that... So he tells AJ, hey, you got enough problems without messing with me. And AJ snatches him up by the neck. And Jimmy comes in from off camera where approximately he was one minute earlier, 20 feet away, and beats up AJ. And then Paul calls Roman. The end. Did you notice Paul's not dyeing his hair? I noticed that. Either that or they ran out of industrial strength Sharpies. Someone just tweeted out, I believe as we are recording, it's Paul Heyman's birthday. Any birthday greeting for him? Happy birthday, Paul. How, how old is Paul now at this birthday? Uh, I probably should have remembered that. You should have looked that up. I want to I get this exact. He turns today 58 years old. 58 years old. Well, I'm 62 this weekend, Paul, and I got still a good bunch of my hair, and I weigh 192 pounds. And you? Anyway, so we were 30 minutes into the program at this, uh, at this particular point, and then we get the L.A. night entrance. And, again, a big response, and he milks the chance so well, and he's got an air about him that he acts like he's somebody. He's not coming out there, you know, dressed like a schlub with his fucking dick in his hand and his head down. Please like me. It's always been my dream to be here. He's doing the promo where it's, yeah, it's been his dream to be there and make all the money, but he's worked at it for 20 years, and he's going to, by God, do it. And he did the promo about Miz on Raw, you know, playing dress up and the make-believe invisible John Cena and all that stuff. He had a good promo going. And then Grayson Waller music interrupted. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this fucking guy again. And he came out in a Hugh Hefner Halloween costume and brought out Austin Theory. So now... They have aligned Waller and Theory. It's like cheeseburgers and anchovies. It's like Sprite Zero and coffee. Something I love and something I despise. And I've got to watch, I guess, one to see the other, but it looks like the before and after of a bodybuilding course advertisement in the 70s wrestling magazines. And... Unfortunately, in this one, Brian, tell me what you... They did the cute WWE-style verbiage, which was nothing to actually listen to or take seriously. They just banter about with unfunny insults. Basically, that's the heel version of getting heat these days, right? And L.A. tried to step in and save it, and they called them crotch goblins. And he challenged Austin Theory for tonight, right here in a minute. And that's basically all that happened. That took 10 fucking minutes. Your thoughts? L.A. Knight's super over. He's one of the guys helping hold this show up with no Roman Reigns. 
I have not been a fan of Grayson Waller yet. I find him fake and annoying. They see big things in him, and some fans have really started to like him. Who is they? Some fans like anything. The problem with Austin Theory is he needs to do something. Like, you can't think of too many Austin Theory promos that stood out. And that was one of the things John Cena even hit him over the head with in that promo leading up to WrestleMania. But since then, there hasn't really been any change. In terms of, you know, we just talked about criticism, advice, whatever it was from Brian Alvarez to Austin Theory. Beyond that, I think a lot of fans, there's a frustration with Austin Theory because there's a talent there and a look and he's athletic. And he just kind of seems to stand in place. Now, a lot of that's the booking. But, you know, L.A. Knight's someone managing this booking and his character's breaking through. Is there a way Austin Theory could do that so that, you know, I don't groan when he comes out there with Grayson Waller? Well, see, here's the thing. They can't, the WWE, the writers, the producers, whatever, they can't ruin his matches because it's still him working. I mean, maybe the finish ain't the greatest that he's told to do or the angle that he's told to participate in, the physical part. But when he does the physical part, what he's made to do looks good because he can do that. The difference, I think, with L.A. Knight on the promos and Austin Theory right now is Theory is still happy that he's 20-something years old, and he's got this spot, and he's doing everything or trying his best to do everything he's told and trying not to do anything to piss anybody off. Whereas L.A. Knight, 15 years or whatever older than Theory, knew that, well, goddamn, at some point, you know, it can't get any worse besides being fired than being Max male model Dupree, so I'm just going to fight and argue and kind of do my shit wherever I can and see what happens. And cause this is my chance. So theory can't have a breakout promo unless they really give him, instead of handing him, this is what we want you to say, say, okay, God damn it. You did this, that, and the other thing, go out there and scorch the fucking earth for five minutes. Let's hear it from you. Yeah, see, they they give, don't do that there. They give him nothing to do that actually would put any heat on him. And well, and that's the thing. What is he? They, he'll beat up somebody one week and then the next week they'll beat him up. Or he fucks right. somebody out of a match one week and the next week they fuck him out of a <laughs> match. That's right. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, that he's getting any, but that's what everybody does there. I think the difference is L.A. Knight knew it was about his last chance, and he had the experience, and he had the balls, and he said, fuck it, it's now or never, I'm going to start just doing my shit. Whereas Theory is doing, I would imagine at this point, everything that they tell him to do as close as possible to doing it. And they can't fuck up his talent in the ring, but they can sure tell him to say some just bland, blasé shit that all these other fucking heels say, and they sound the same way, bland and blasé. That was the problem with Roman Reigns when they tried to first go with him for the first few years as a single, was they were telling him what to say, and it just didn't sound natural, and people rejected it. I don't think that fucking anybody told L.A. Knight to call him crotch goblins, which is why I liked it. What'd you think of L.A. Knight's shot at Kevin Nash? 
Um, you know what I saw after the fact, somebody on Twitter said that, and it must've gone past me. I was making a note about something else. What did he say? He said, I forget even what he was talking about, but he said the verb is, if I was an idiot, I would call it an adjective, but the verb, and he was talking about Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that because I wondered, I heard that and I was like, oh, okay. He's just knocking people that don't have good grammar. But let's go back to the match, L.A. Knight and Theory. And again, this is good shit, pal. They look the part. They wrestle. Theory is miles ahead of almost anybody else his age in the business. You can talk about Braun Breaker and a few other people, MJF. He works like he was trained in 1990 instead of 2020. And unlike Uncle Dave's little carbuncle, Brian Alvarez, that's a compliment because he gets it. He gets the wrestling business. Do you know who trained him? I was surprised to learn this. I do not. Did, or did you tell me once and now I've forgotten again? I may have told you before you even really paid attention to who he was because he wasn't on TV, but he was trained by A.R. Fox. Well, in that case, then he's a Bobby Eaton. He just had it. Anyway. <laughs> oh, come no, on. He, seriously. <laughs> you can't tell me that the guy that I'm watching on Wednesday night trained this fucking guy. You just can't. He, he, he had it naturally. He watched wrestling theory and he saw it in his head. That's what I'm saying. But they had a nice match back to LA night and theory for, you know, for the time they were allowed six minutes of it aired. So it was two guys being very professional, but there was no time to, you know, put them to the test or anything. But again, yeah. And also, the heels get fucked out of the heat in the commercial breaks all the time because they'll do a heat spot as a transition to the break. And when they come back, the guys already make it a comeback. So the poor heels are getting fucked in this equation. Uh, but basically Waller went to untie the turnbuckle pad and took it off In theory tried to send LA into it, but LA turned him around and hit his power slam and LA elbow. And Waller distracted him, and Theory did a schoolboy for a two-count. They went back and forth, and L.A. Knight hit his finish. Boom, one, two, three. Six minutes on the air. Everything was professional, but again, it's like it was easy, apparently, for L.A. Knight this week to beat Austin Theory. He didn't have to struggle that much, but you should. There should be more twists and turns. Something should be going on, but it doesn't have to go fucking 30 minutes for no reason like the goddamn guys across the street. There has to be a happy medium somewhere in this thing. And again, Go ahead. And I was going to say, and again, he's a heel, but why are you supposed to boo him? Because he never does anything really that bad. He just kind of acts a little bad. He acts cocky. And that's it. He acts cocky and he's egotistical. He has not deprived a a beloved superstar of anything major. He hasn't committed a heinous act that sidelined an up-and-coming young star that was gaining in popularity. He hasn't stolen a major championship away from a fucking beloved fee. He just... They win and they lose and they fucking run out a lot. Injuries. No one gets injured. There's never just like, oh my God, for no reason he injured that guy. Here's what, what does he have to say? I'm glad I did it. I'm not unhappy about it. Yeah. If he dies, he dies. None of that. 
Well, but the problem is, what can you do to somebody to injure them now? Well, They've but, seen every goddamn... Well, that's true. But with Theory specifically, though, like, he's still... I don't know. It's still like he's coming out and he's the kid. And you have to get past that at some yeah. point. Well, speaking of getting past the kid, Paul E. was in the back telling Adam Pierce that AJ put his hands on him and obviously there needs to be repercussions when L.A. Knight came in and wanted a match with The Miz. And as Pierce took that under advisement, Paul E. introduced himself, huge admirer of yours, but don't come in without knocking first again. Well, you're not putting it over strong enough. He really sold that he was a fan. I mean, it was obviously facetious, well, yes. but he was smiling and really yes. trying to buddy up to L.A. Knight for a moment. For a, for a brief moment. Well, that was just to get the good part in before he sternly looked at him. And he said to L.A. Knight, he said, do you understand me? And L.A. Knight said, yeah. So it's interesting on this one show. Think of how many different things they teased as being a potential either next or down the road opponent for Roman Reigns. Well, and they got to, they got to start now. Cause, but it wasn't just him, but I'm saying it wasn't just LA night on this episode. That's, that's what I'm saying. They got to start now a variety of people. They need to get some people in been the judgment day. Yeah. There's going to be some issue with them or the bloodline. Who's the dominant, you know, group faction, whatever, but we're, we're jumping ahead because the judgment day was in the ring without Rhea Ripley. And now we know, well, you don't know because you're an oddball, Brian, but everybody else knows what it's, it's like to have a burger without cheese. You lose Delicious one ingredient and worse it. spoil the whole dish. Delicious and proper. No Rhea Ripley in a Judgment Day is like a burger without cheese. That's what makes it. It's what makes it what it is. And the best part of this was the people booing over Dominic. And, and it's now it's become a thing. But they're out there putting themselves over, and here comes suddenly the Brawling Brutes music. And it, it, even then, we got the discount brawling brutes because it was only Butch and Ridge, not even Seamus. And they were talking, and then they started fighting. And I kind of zoned out because they got into the match. And it, do they ever book matches for these programs, or do they just have people come out and talk until somebody comes out and interrupts them and wants to fight? Yeah, that's kind of it. And again, with the Judgment Doy, Judgment Doy, the judgment Doy? The Judgment Day and their promo, they were teasing stuff with the Bloodline. They were talking about the Bloodline, how they are more successful than the Bloodline. Yeah. And I thought Priest was clearly featured as the top guy here. And maybe that's the one benefit of Rhea not being there one time. Priest gets to stand out a little bit more. And Dominic's great. Dominic's one of, you want to talk about a heel that they do put heat on? Dominic is fucking great. Yes. And because he's a slimy little weasel and, and wise ass in his own way and people love to boo and he can get beat all day long and it just puts more heat on him because he's supposed to be a fucking invalid impotent fucking prick you were like that but, too right uh, you wouldn't lose your heat even when things that traditionally would cost you all your heat happened to you yes well it, they didn't they could always like rip my clothes off they could put me in a cage they could hang me over the ring they could embarrass me they could run my face in a cake. Uh, Watts started it. Dusty kept up with it. They never hurt me, except when I hurt myself. 
They when when I blew my knee from the scaffold, they talked about that. But I was never injured by anybody. I was never bloodied by anybody until I switched babyface. It's the because they felt like if I'm a big mouth, wise ass, chicken shit, coward, weasel, mama's boy, whatever, humiliate him, embarrass him. You can you can beat him up and body slam him, but if he's laying there in a pool of blood or he goes to the fucking hospital because we broke his leg, that's gone too far. Then we're making him tough because he comes back. So if you notice, I was never, I was always beaten up or beaten in wrestling matches. I was never injured in a planned angle by another. By by a baby face, and even the Ex- scaffold, you were off. The scaffold was the the odd duck in that equation because it was true, and I had they couldn't we couldn't kayfabe it. And then the only other time I hurt myself was I booked myself to be hurt was by Bullet Bob as revenge for me doing it to him first, and they had to pay to see it. So that was the thing you can a heel like that you can always humiliate him you can beat him you can do different things like that but don't just kill him don't hospitalize him that's when you take heat off of him cuz then they start get a little sympathy maybe anyway so the point is in this program that apparently just is allowed to unfold depending on the whims of the wrestlers that are participating instead of having any (laughs) structure to what's going on. They made that match and Priest and Finn fought Butch and I wrote Butch and Luke, God damn it. Butch and Ridge and uh, the Judgment Day won. And then here came Lashley and the Private Prophets and boy, they dress nice. And they got in the ring and they had a three-on-three face-off with the Judgment Day and the Lashley and the Prophets. And Lashley said, the bloodline is crumbling, but Judgment Day is not going to take over. We will. And that was that. So now here's the thing. If they're doing the thing where Finn and Priest were having problems and J.D. McDonough is going to come in between them, that's fine. If apparently maybe they want to break Priest out and make him a single after this or whatever. But then why would they be starting not only a group to potentially compete with the bloodline? If the Judgment Day is going to be competing with the bloodline, they should not be doing an internal, oh, and we all don't get along angle because that's what the bloodline just did. But now we've got Lashley and the Prophets, and are they baby faces or heels? <laughs> and they're wanting to take over. So is is Shitstain doing this faction warfare again? Or Tony Khan. This is very reminiscent when AEW, all of a sudden everything was a trios feud. Everyone was in a faction and it was three people. We have, I guess the bloodline now would be Jimmy, Solo, and Roman. Except Jimmy's not official, I don't think, right now. Well, we'll see what happens. AJ has his two people, as we would later find out. And a girl. Well, but there's trouble between them. Well, we will see what happens. There's Lashley and the Street Profits. They've clearly distinguished themselves as men who like to hang out and wear nice clothes. There's the Judgment Day. 
Again, no teasing at all of any issues. You know, Finn and Damien were pretty cool in there, and everyone was having a good time getting booed, <laughs> so they seem to be okay. Everything's like a three-person. We're gonna get. We're gonna get some kind of match. Just watch. <sighs> well, I'm a little. Anyway, I, I will say. I will say though. I'm a little intrigued by where they're gonna go and what they're gonna do, if anything. I mean, they could blow it quickly with Lashley and the Street Profits. I don't think that all booking should be simplistic and, you know, the level of a child, but I also don't know that you need to do one of those fucking diagrams on a wall with strings and fucking push pins to be able to figure out who's mad at each other. Just a thought. But here's another thought. Did you know that the start of the Judgment Day promo until the end of the three-on-three face-off after the match, where it was basically Judgment Day and Brutes and these guys, 26 minutes of the show. They, they, they got their time to go out and, and uh, get their exposure. But by that point, Brian, I got to be honest with you, unless you really have a problem sleeping, you were pretty tired at this point from watching SmackDown. Oh, yeah. Now, there are people with insomnia that could have made it through this whole thing without zoning out. But most people would be asleep by now. So we've identified the, uh, the bar, the level there. If you made it through this segment of SmackDown or these segments of SmackDown and you weren't sleepy by the, the time you finished watching it, you may need our friends at CB Distillery. That's right. How right is it? It's so right that it can't be wrong. That it can't be wrong. Because I'll tell you what, that's what all the customers are saying over at cbdistillery.com. They're saying, if taking your products are right, I don't want to be wrong. Or are they saying, if taking your products are wrong, I don't want to be right. I'll tell you what is right. 90% of customers report better sleep with CBD. And 81% say that CBD helps calm them from stress and anxiety. 80% report less pain after exercise or physical activity. And 1% find that they can will themselves into another dimension. You can enjoy better focus and concentration with their full range of carefully formulated CBD and other plant-based solutions over there at cbdistillery.com. When you use the promo code JCE for this program, Jim Cornette Experience, JCE, see what they did there. And Brian, you know, you can't go wrong with a product recommended by Mayo Clinic trained internist and preventive health specialist, Dr. Kevin Fry, Glenn Fry's older brother. No relation to Glenn Fry whatsoever. I heard that when Glenn made himself a hippie and went out to the Rainbow Room or wherever and goddamn on a sunset strip that meanwhile, Dr. Kevin was going to all the fine medical schools around the country, learning to help people get involved in CBD. One had a peaceful, easy feeling and the other one wanted to give you a peaceful, easy feeling. You know, there are over 2 million satisfied customers of cbdistillery.com. Were you aware of that, Brian? Yes. Did you know that their products are packed with whole body healing plant compounds and vital nutrients that you'll need to take with you to that other dimension that you'll be able to will yourself into after you get on this stuff real regular? And I'll tell well, you what. I, I don't know about that, but there are parts of that that 
Yes, and there are other parts. You well, you'll you you no. you might not even notice it because you everything else will look exactly the same, and all the people that you know here will be there. It's just the sky is either purple or green. I don't depends think that's, on depends on the weather over there. I don't think that's how it works. And I will say, I did use some of CB Distillery's fine products on my knee recently, as I've been recovering from my knee injury. Yes, where you were taken down and mugged at gunpoint and suffered that severe injury. I didn't go to Suffolk County. What are you talking about? Actually, no, you fell down in your own home and you hurt yourself. And now you're expecting the people at cbdistillery.com to make you feel better. I think that's very selfish. There's a bunch of people out there that have injuries and problems sleeping and problems with stress and anxiety and, and concentration and focus that are not even their fault. And here you're just clumsy. And you're using up all the CBD. Well, they got more, folks. At cbdistillery.com. You fell down in your own home and you injured yourself. My knee. It was my knee went out. I didn't do anything clumsy. I didn't trip on something. I'm a dick Van Dyke. Which knee was it? Your left knee, your right knee, or your wee knee? Folks, if you're frustrated with a health concern that's not getting better, try CBD from the source that I trust, you trust, and we all, all God's children trust them. And that's cbdistillery.com. And right now, we can get you on the right path down the straight and narrow, taking the express highway to good health with a 20% discount. Just visit cbdistillery.com and enter the code I told you before, JCE, 20% discount, no prescription required. So you don't even have to forge stuff for this place. They'll, they'll, they'll just hand it to you and you can walk out the door figuratively, literally, virtually. There is no door on the website. But there is a portal that you can enter into the other dimension at cbdistillery.com. Nope, no portal. Promo code JCE, 20% off. There is a discount. There's a discount. Just no portal. No portal. Discount. <laughs> Just a discount. cbdistillery.com, promo code JCE. So AJ Styles was in the back. He could use some CB Distillery. He could after what happened because... Gallows and Anderson were not there when Jimmy jumped him and he's pissed off and he slapped the phone out of Anderson's hand and everything. So because they were not around when Jimmy Uso jumped him, AJ says, well, if you're going to be that way, I don't want you anywhere near my match tonight when he's going to fucking jump me again. Who are the baby faces and heels here, by the way? Are we supposed to be rooting for Jimmy to get back in the bloodline or to break loose from the bloodline and join his brother back? But his brother, I don't, I'm not sure that how he feels about that. But meanwhile, Gallows and Anderson look awful heelish, but AJ acts like a babyface. He's getting jumped from behind by the guy that wants to get back in the heel group, but the heel manager won't let him. So here we go. AJ versus Jimmy Uso. And they rang the bell, and they got in a fight, and they went 100 miles an hour for a minute. And then Jimmy rolled out, and everything came to a halt. And he walked around a little while, and then he got back in and just went up to AJ and just cut him off face-to-face -face with a fucking elbow. Bam! Take that. So, again, you used to have to do something kind of illegal to just take over on a baby face if you were a heel. And then he rolled out again. And they went to the floor, and Jimmy missed AJ with a super, not on purpose missed him. They were going out on the floor, and AJ was 
down on his knees or somewhere to, or no, coming at the, the guy coming off the apron and, and Jimmy tried to hit him with a super kick and whiffed it by about a foot. And here came solo and Paul walking out. And right at that point, Jimmy ran AJ's head into the stairs and they went to the break. And when they came back, they had heat going on on AJ. And I swear to God, the action was so slow, I saw moss growing on the north side of Styles' stomach at one point. Did you see that? No. So you didn't see the moss growing on the north side of AJ Styles' stomach? I did not see that, no. Well, finally, AJ did a dive, and he did a big move, and he got a two count, and the crowd was not electrified by any means, not even an eight-volt battery. And finally, Jimmy gave Solo the opening to interfere, but Solo wouldn't interfere on his behalf. And then AJ kicked Solo and posted Jimmy and did the flying forearm to Jimmy and got a three count. That was one of the more boring matches and finishes. It just like bing, 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 boom, done. And then Finn and Priest came out and jumped AJ and gave him to Solo and Solo spiked him. And then everybody stared at each other. It was not breaking down in Tulsa, the last five minutes of this contest. Your thoughts? You know, we're talking about people that the way they're used or whatever it is don't mean that much right now. AJ Styles has a world of talent. Does he mean anything on that show? Is it? Do you stop if you see AJ Styles in a match right now? No, because... I think everybody that has been there a while has been doing the same thing for a while. And everybody that's only been there for a little while has not been really given the chance to do anything that would let them stand out. So we got eh, the least of both worlds. Well, that was well, SmackDown. That was Smackdown. <laughs> <laughs> the least of, I guess, of Raw and SmackDown. Is SmackDown... The least of the two worlds, or is Raw? No, Raw is because they do the same amount of shit they do on SmackDown, but it takes them ex- an extra hour to do it. So I think Raw is still the the slowest schlog on the uh, the baton death march of watching wrestling over the course of the week. All right. Well, I don't know how you're going to transition from this to uh, whatever you're transitioning. Well, to well. Meanwhile. <laughs> Now that now we go back to the to Candyland. We go back to the Lollipop Guild. We go back to AEW for their dynamite collision double header. Because it's the same program now. One's on Wednesday, one's on Saturday, but they both got the same people and they do the same shit. And the experiment that was actually having a good pro wrestling program on Saturday nights for people to watch is apparently officially over the week after they fired their biggest star. Because now it's the same kind of cockage you see on Wednesday. So briefly moving through, I, I, I'm going to say one thing before I go through the Wednesday night's program for September 6th. Yes, we're late, and that's why I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. There was the probably best segment of the week and then everything else. But I don't know what the ratings were, and I want you to tell me at the end I have no idea. I've somehow managed to avoid anybody saying what they were, but I've got to imagine that erosion set in again at some point over the course of this two hours. 
The first thing you saw, they were in Indianapolis. I don't know what the Hoosier State has done to AEW to deserve this program. But they sent pockets out. That's the first thing you saw. People tuning into the pro when they know the audience is going to be the biggest. And the first thing you see is that. And he came to the ring and did a promo. A live interview with the fucking mascot, with the segment that has the biggest audience that they know ahead of time, and they're apparently going to test the theory of how quick can we run people off. So, obviously, I fast-forwarded through that because there could be nothing of any worth uttered by this waste of human flesh. But then we're followed by Here Come Moxley and Claudio, and the people get to sing Wild Thing. But the only thing that they could do to further run people off is an anthrax scare, right? And I said, oh, wait, here comes AR Fox. So the match after the Pockets promo was Plumber Moxley against AR Fox. And that took quite a while. And finally, Moxley won with the double arm suplex that he does, where say, he puts you down soft if you're a Japanese legend and he drops you on your head if you're a job guy or whatever. And then Darby comes out to the ring to help up A.R. Fox because all is forgiven there. But Christian and Dino were out in the parking lot talking to Nick Wayne and Christian saying, I could mentor you and you wouldn't have to put up with that where he's, you know, so again, more uh, strife. Who's on whose side here? Did I miss anything yet in this program? Not really. I guess one of my big thoughts was beyond Orange Cassidy, who they did it with for a while and obviously did a promo here. We're seeing a lot of Moxley wrestling on TV, like Moxley. nonstop. I, I predict right now, this Halloween, Tony's going to be dressed up like a plumber. Watch and see. Anyway, then they followed that. Thanks, the, guys. Either that or I'll unstop your drains. I was afraid TV. for my life. <laughs> he I've was never afraid. been this scared in 30 years of attending wrestling shows. I've never been this frightened. He's never been that close to a monkey wrench before. For the TBS title, Chris Statlander versus Emmy Sakura. Yeah. And again, I would watch Chris Statlander, but here comes this satchel-ass midget dressed like Queen Elizabeth. She's dropped Freddie Mercury. Now it, Lawler never went to this trouble. The crown and the robe had fur all over it and a scepter. What is the goddamn deal with this chick? So, Pockets live interview. The Plumber versus A.R. Fox. There's 15 minutes. Statlander versus Emmy Sakura. She won with a tombstone. Then a I, Roderick Strong. For, go ahead. I was just going to say, I actually thought Statlander versus Sakura wasn't terrible. Well, I watched it though. I good for you. I watched it. Well, it was a different Emmy Sakura. She had more fire. Yeah, she didn't have a mustache. She didn't have a mustache. And she had more fire. <laughs> she was screaming like a banshee. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, she's like the female Iron Mike Sharp. So in the back after that match, they did a promo with Roderick Strong. And he was sitting flanked by Bennett and Taven in a weird position. 
And he was doing a promo. They were showing childhood pictures of him, and he was talking about his mother on drugs and his alcoholic father. Well, that's the thing. This is the first time we've seen these series of vignettes, and the first question asked was, tell us about your mom and dad. Yes. What? I do what the... I do what the... How is this all going to tie together? Is this going to be one of those Lacey Evans deals? Roddy... Yes, Roddy's going to get pregnant with Ric Flair's baby. There you get that's could be next because Roddy is the disgruntled former friend of Adam Cole who's mad at Adam because Adam has become friends with MJF. But Roddy is now hanging out with these heels and acting like a lunatic. So naturally, that's meant to make you think that he's a heel, but his mother was on drugs and his father was an alcoholic. I don't know where that came from, and why would that make people mad at you? And the the position that Bennett and Taven are sitting in, and the way that they shake their head, like they did another one of these on the Saturday night on Collision, and it looks so stagey and so, it's like they're trying to be funny by being so somber. Does does that make any sense? I guess they're so. being funny by by having that straight of a face and that somber of an attitude. It's faux seriousness. And of course, that's what a lot faux of this seriousness, is. but there you can tell that's what it is. Taven. There's something so intriguing. gives off like the weirdest creepy vibe, <laughs> especially when he doesn't talk. But I mean, Roddy did great here. The, the catch with all of this stuff so far has been that this is the best character work of Roddy Strong's entire career. But then he's talking and, about this. He's, yeah, I mean, it just, you, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I hate to say I thought this, but he's talking about how awful his, you know, growing up was. Every picture they showed looked like it was a party. Like, here's me and my dad dressed like Elvis. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> doesn't look that bad. It looks like you guys were entertaining the troops or something there. I don't know what was happening. Uh, Roddy's doing really good with this. I don't know what the Taven Bennett angle is. Are they counselors? Are they just playing the role of supportive friends? Supportive friends. And after all, what is an athlete without his supporter? What do you think of Roddy wearing the glasses? I don't... I don't know how this is all going to tie together to come out in any logical or sensical way, so the glasses may be really good or really bad. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I like that he takes the neck brace off and wrestles and then puts it back on. That's very heelish. But it's not heelish to talk about your underprivileged upbringing that you escaped from. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. I think there should be a moratorium on no more conversations about the feelings of heels. There you go. Because heels don't have feelings to begin with. They do not have normal human emotions. They are remorseless. And they have no compassion or empathy. But nevertheless... Speaking of remorseless or no compassion or empathy, Chris Jericho came to the ring with Sammy Guevara against the team of Ozzy Oldham, and they put Don Fallis on color. And again, who the fuck are we supposed to, whose side are we supposed to be on? Jericho switched babyface, but now he's in an obnoxious heel manner, wanted to reunite the sex gods with Sammy, who wasn't having a lot of his bullshit, but they're against heels. 
And Don Fallis, the heel manager, turned on Jericho. Mark Davis of the Ozzy Oldham team visually looks fucking rotten. 45 years old, doughy and balding. And Fletcher looks like his nephew that ought to be at a skateboard park until sundown when the curfew kicks in. He looks like the Australian Nick Wayne, and the other one looks like if Dax and Cash had a baby. You know, I, I don't even know. I think if if Cash was part was the father and Dax was the mother, where maybe he would get Cash's hair, I think you'd be okay there. I think that's what he kind of has. He has Cash's little haircut, but then like all of a sudden you get towards the front, the facial hair comes in, the baldness. Anyway, Jericho beat Fletcher with the Judas elbow after accidentally knocking Sammy off the apron. But Jericho and Sammy shoved each other back and forth, and Sammy walked out on him. But it was truthfully an accident the way it was presented, so now Sammy's being the prick, and Jericho is the babyface, even though for all the other things I just said. Another feud over friendship. Who are we supposed to cheer for here? Do we want Sammy to stab Jericho in the back and become a babyface, or become a heel, or become the opposite of whatever he is now? Or do we want Jericho to be a heel and just not be friends with Don Fallis, who's the other fucking heel guy, fella? Right. I think Aussie Open have been established as a heel tag team, even though they get cheered by smart fans sometimes. And Jericho is against Callus. Callus is clearly a heel, so you could argue that Jericho's been the babyface since Callus... How did it go? Callus turned on Jericho after Jericho accepted joining his faction. Yes, so Jericho became a babyface <laughs> because the heels wouldn't take him. And they had a painting made up, <laughs> ready to go. And then with Sammy, again, because Jericho is kind of now a vulnerable Chris Jericho, <laughs> Sammy has been kind of cheered because he's always cheered until he talks about, like, himself. Yeah. And then people start booing him. Or his wife. So they're the baby faces here, at least towards the start of it. But then also, Jericho has run off all of the other appreciators besides Sammy because he was such a prick to him and so self-centered that they told him to go kick rocks and all walked out on him. Wouldn't it be great if they reform as the Sammy Appreciation Society? The Sasses. And it doesn't have the same rank. Then it could be a turn. It was really the Sammy Davis Jr. Appreciation Society. Well, we're in the future. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know whether that was going to be the extent of it, and I was going to have to explain to the people that we've time-traveled again, and of course you have made your effects there from your phaser neutron board. Now, now we're in the future. We had to take a break because um, a plumber called, and also you had to go get You've been inoculated now against tetanus, diphtheria, whooping cough, and scarlet fever. So you got that going for you. Don't And, and don't try to blame your drowsiness the, on the rest of the program on that shot. You know as good as well as I do that your drowsiness is coming from the boringness of this program. I'm ready for you, all kinds of action. 
Boy, that's what she said. Oh, that's a line from the office. That's not being so don't report me. <laughs> oh, me or the audience? Anybody out there, I don't know what's going on anymore. You know, that's what we were just saying moments ago in the past, which actually moments ago was the past, so I'm correct. Moments ago in the past, we were talking about these insane wrestling angles and how we can't figure them out, and can somebody explain to who in the fuck should we trust, who can we believe in, who can we worship with our... Our greedy little palms outstretched going, please, please save us, my hero. Who? We don't understand this. It's a, it's the same. Nobody can sell these angles because you can't understand them. And for heaven's sake, if you can't sell something, then it ain't no good to nobody because it's just going to sit there on the shelf. I don't care. Brian, if you make the absolute best, let's say, for example, you're going to design, because of all the goozling going on in the wrestling business these days, you're going to design a brand new goozle guard Ooh. for pro wrestlers to wear around their neck like in the locker room, right? Yeah. So, so that way they can mouth off and run their pie holes all they want. And if somebody tries to goozle them, well, they're wearing a guard. So they're goozle proof. Well, the one I've designed is if someone goes for your throat, it automatically tases you. It's the Harley race. Well, there you go. And they could have different models. You could have the Harley race. You could have the, the Gary Hart, where if they grab the, the goozle guard, a blade would come out instantly and stab them through the hand. You could have the Shawn Michaels, where you get goozled, and all of a sudden you have a mirror image of yourself next to yourself. Well, either that or suddenly you could get goozled and your feet would be about six inches off the ground. But nevertheless, if you can't sell these products, folks, then they, then then it's just it's a waste of a brilliant idea and and if you don't have a platform you know everybody can't have a bunch of feather bottoms like I do so if you don't have a platform well you're just you're just SOL as mama cornet used to say you're up shit creek without a paddle and that's where the folks at shopify come in because once again say you wanted to sell that goozle guard but you don't know where to get started to get it out to the masses. That's why you go to Shopify. Did I mention Shopify? See? They asked for that in parentheses. You have a register over there? Um, well, yes, I'm making money as we speak. Ah, shit. In the glass-breaking business. Watch out for Mr. Merkel, the blind man. <laughs> but anyway, if you know, get your, get your business a game-changing pickup. By choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout, it converts anything. You can you can <laughs> SNH green stamps. It'll take them. It'll convert it into currency. I don't think that's what that means. Well, whatever it means, they do it. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garbage entrepreneur or a, a garage entrepreneur, I'm sorry, garbage. The type is small. A garage entrepreneur, let's say you're selling garages, or you're IPO ready, or like Cousin Rob, maybe you're not ready for an IPO. <laughs> Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. You don't want to struggle, folks. You don't want a heaviness on you, on your chest every morning when you wake up in the bed. And the first thing when you open your eyes, you're worrying about your business, and it's a heaviness on you, and you go, hi, heaviness. You don't want that. 
Because Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel, every tributary, every stream. Whether you're selling satin sheets or seashells on the seashore, they've got an in-person POS system. As a matter of fact, these people at Shopify are dedicated. They have an in-person system where if you order something through their platform, they will have somebody go to your house in person and check out and make sure you're not a piece of shit. That's Before not, they give you the, the in-person POS system. That's a wonderful idea, but that is not what they offer. And you have no fears or no concerns or no... You don't have to expect people from Shopify showing up at your home. Well, if you're a piece of shit, so when you ought to be worried, nobody else should be worried. They avoid Once the piece of shit. cleared ships. you... You've got to be vetted to go through this process. There's money changing hands. What kind of vetting process is this? To make sure you're not a piece of shit. No, I got that, but Some what would this vetting process? beat that doesn't pay their bills? <laughs> what the fuck? These people at Shopify, they're protecting your business. <laughs> what does the and vetting process consist of is my they question. Come, they come here and they make sure that you're not rude, crude, <laughs> vulgar, or some other other kind of piece of shit that's not going to pay up. <laughs> And then they've got an all-in-one e-commerce platform. That's where everything goes into one. So you're covered. <laughs> and what? I'm telling you, they've got it. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify, what are you laughing at? As the internet's best converting checkout. There it comes up again. <laughs> yes, it does. They, they, I'm telling you, you can use it. You can bring in beans from the garden. They will weigh them and figure out the current going rate. <laughs> it's not how it works. And that way, you know, everybody's not how it works. Things. That's not how the converting process works. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And if they didn't have to come check on you individually, they could probably have time to do more. They don't check on anyone individually. Again, you don't have to worry about anyone showing up to check on you and... Measure if you're a piece of shit or not. Well, they're a global force powering millions of entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. So don't get on their bad side because they got a lot of people. A global force? What are they, Jeff Jarrett? They're a, they're a global force Shopify platform. A global force platform, GFP. Do they sell bullshit gold by Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> no, they have, they have a six-sided platform. It's a six-sided platform where you get all six sides of their platform to stand on and hawk your merchandise. Jeff had a six-sided ring. You see it all still ties yes, together. It, it, yeah. it, a global force. <laughs> and oh, they have award-winning help there to support your success every step of the way over at Shopify. So let's say you call up Shopify and you say, help. They got somebody to do that for you. For it to be award-winning help, what kind of awards do they give well, out every year at the well, annual? Some, they <laughs> saved a baby from a burning building. There was that. And then they, they got the, uh, the good community service award for cleaning up that, you know, that daggum uh, messy uh, park area and, and, and building things that the kids could play on. They have help for a lot of people. The winner of most courteous hang-up is Judy. Yes, and when these people blow you off, they do it in a, a courteous and, and very sympathetic manner. They don't just say, fuck you and hang up on you. They say, I I'm sorry, I, I don't speak English and hang up, so you can't be mad. But I'll tell you what, right now you can sign up for a $1 a month trial period, a dollar a month to trial this for a period. 
at, at shopify.com slash JCE. Now, the JCE apparent is in lowercase, apparently, because they have all lowercase following that in capital letters, which kind of looks odd when you say all lowercase, but it's <laughs> capital letters. It just, it almost yeah. threw me off. But a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash JCE, all lowercase. All lowercase. And you can take your business to the next level today. All you got to do is go to shopify.com slash JCE for the $1 a month trial period. I'm looking. I don't know what that period is. So get in and get out while you can. Open up one of these fly-by-night operations and it won't cost you anything. You'll don't be in and that. out in 30 days. Nope. Shopify only deals with reputable businesses and they help reputable businesses grow their reputable revenue streams and you have nothing to worry about. And if you are a piece of shit or a scumbag or a dirty businessman, stay away from Shopify and they're going to stay away from you and they're going to help all the good listeners out there. What's the promo code, Jim? That is JCE all lowercase. Yeah, but stay away if you're some kind of crook from Wyoming or somewhere or Bolivia. All right, well, we are once again in the future, and let's now, I guess Continue we have to go back. on with the yeah. past. Speaking of all lowercase, let's go back to AEW. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, murder was the case with AEW. They killed the business. No, actually, we are in the process of still talking about dynamite from last Wednesday, and if brains were dynamite, I don't believe they could blow their nose, but the one entertaining, enterprising, business-minded segment of the program came up next involving, imagine this, MJF and Samoa Joe. Who could have ever thunk it? And MJF comes out to the ring for his promo, and he plays the people like a fiddle. And now that whatever this babyface turn has become, he's, he's embracing that, but he's got him in the palm of his hand because at least they know they're going to hear something, not just a bunch of indie-rific twits droning on about their goddamn high school feelings. And he's going to defend the AEW title on September 20th at Grand Slam. I don't know that he got out the opponent, when suddenly Samoa Joe's music played. And, you know, again, to see these two guys together, it's like when MJF was doing the promos back and forth with Adam Cole, they're great promos, but you're seeing Adam Cole standing there in his unfortunate state at this point. Whereas when you're seeing Samoa Joe standing there, who looks like he can fucking eat you for lunch and talks like it as well. It's uh, one of the amazing and rare examples today of a guy who talks like he looks, and it it's both positive. There are a lot of people that talk like they look, and it's both negative. So they do the, and he said, what's the problem, kid? And the fans are already chanting, even though they love MJF, they've already picked a Joe's gonna kill you. Because they like, that's cool. And... They do their snide remarks back and forth. MJF is not happy that Samoa Joe called him kid. And so he's doing his performance there. It's Pillsbury Joe boy, Samoa Doe. And Joe is... They didn't let this go so long 
like they will later on in the program when we talk about Hangnail Page's segment, where somebody is just being told the fuck off and just standing there with their dick in their hand endlessly and taking it. And there's, you know, at least a couple of instances where you would think, my God, is this guy ever just going to punch this motherfucker? They went back and forth and kept it fresh, is what I'm trying to say, where neither one had to degenerate into violence before its time. And, and Joe came back being somewhat of a smartass, but it fits too, because he said, I can, I can do this shit. Your bris was postponed because the rabbi had nothing to work with. And see, because I saw the Seinfeld episode, I got that. But I wouldn't have until whenever that fucking program aired. Uh, but finally, MJF, you know, gets pissed off the third time or so that Joe calls him kid and says, hey, there's a whole tournament if you want, you know, me, the champ. And then the fans have immediately turned around, fuck you, Joe. <laughs> fuck you, Joe. Fickle bastards. And Joe's response, they're saying, fuck you, Joe. Fuck you, Joe. And Joe said, you sound like your mother's. Now, I'll admit it's a quick comeback, but grammatically, it's incorrect unless they're watching. Wait a minute. How would that work? Would Their mother would have to be fucking Joe. Or how would that work in the past tense? Or who's the you in that? In the past week, we got that. And then we got Sammy Zane saying, I'm glad you opened your ass. Yeah. <laughs> what a week. But I mean, this would be, it would be fuck her, Joe, right? Uh, if you sound like your mother, or fuck well, me, Joe. Fuck me, Joe, if it was the mother, I would yeah, think. Yeah, well then yeah. fuck you, Joe, would only be if, if you were fucking Joe. Well, unless the mom, you know, unless it's like, there's a deeper situation where Joe and the mom have a relationship and she's mad at Joe. I did. I think I read this as a penthouse letter one time back when that was a thing. You wrote it or you read it? I read it, I oh. said. I misheard you, sorry. And that now people think Reddit is online rather than a book. Nevertheless, uh, then, but here MJF did the story time again about when he got the WWF tryout when he was 19 and he got pulled aside by William Regal. He had a reference back to, and Regal's name got booze. A tough crowd, I'll tell you. Uh, I don't want to say this place is rough, but the muggers don't shoot you. They insert the bullets manually. And so then... <sighs> MJF basically made the point that he was a security guard that night when he got his tryout. Samoa Joe was apparently a star in the bigger company and shoved him into a brick wall because he could get away with it. Well, that'd kind of be a prickish thing to do if we didn't see people disemboweled by fucking gasoline-powered chainsaws on this program on a weekly basis. But anyway... MJF finally fires up and says, so stay out of my way or I'm going to kill you. And then Joe says, that was a point beautifully made. I didn't, uh, it's somebody didn't think that MJF was a kid, but a little bitch. And MJF slaps Joe and Joe says he won't take the bait. He's going to win the tournament. And then he took the bait and attacked him <laughs> with a ball shot. Like a good heel. He lied. There you go. And he took the belt, but MJF came back with a ball shot like a good baby face that's just switched from being a heel and got on Joe. And they go back and forth. And then here comes Adam Cole. And 
as Joe is bailing out, kind of laughing, the doctors check on MJF because he's selling the bad neck and et cetera. And, you know, Joe's insulting him, you know, from afar. And then, of course, he passes Roderick Strong and Taven and Bennett on the way out. That We're doing ships passing in the night on both programs now. But now I'm interested again, MJF and fucking Samoa Joe. And, and it's not going to be a clash of styles with two big guys doing, you know, the, the slapping the meat or pounding the meat or sh slipping the meat to somebody, whatever the fucking deal was the other day. It's a big fucking burly, impressive, intimidating heel against now a smart, sassy, quick, athletic, Sassy? Young, sassy, <laughs> young baby face that we can get behind in this, you know, struggle against this dragon that he needs to slay or whatever the fuck. So, yes, what did you think? Man, I was so down on AEW coming into this show, and there was not too much on the show up to this point that made me change that thought until this. And this was my favorite MJF thing in a while. Joe was great. And... This is the perfect opponent for MJF. It's fresh. It works perfect with the dynamic of MJF being the babyface. I hope this gets a nice little run and it's not just one match or something. Well, and you know, the good thing is, looking back... And they can promo back and forth, and most guys in that company can't do that. They can do it well, yes. they can do it on the fly. And looking back, we've talked about from the time that Joe arrived... We said, where's Joe? We can't see Joe, but at least we we saw so little. They didn't have a chance to really bury him with bad booking before he's got to this point. They hid him and they put him in some stupid things on occasion, but it wasn't like you're just sick and tired of seeing him before he gets to something big, right? So good. We will see what happens from there in the in this angle, but from there on this program... Things are taking a precipitous downhill turn. Hey, now with CM Punk gone, and you could argue that it wouldn't have changed this discussion either way, it's clear that MJF's the biggest and the best star in that company right now, right? I mean, he's the only one yes. to do a... He's the best heel and the best babyface they have. Well, and remember we talked about that. It wasn't necessarily that with Punk and MJF, Punk was definitely the biggest name just courtesy of his right. tenure and seniority, but MJF was still maybe the biggest star. And and they could coexist until they have... We'll never get that now. Newman. The fucking, you know... These fucking morons. Let's focus they, on the positive. Let's focus on the positive. MJF. But uh, just to resolve the lineage of their own championship. Instead, they'd rather have Jungle Jim and his chimpanzee Bonzo fucking hanging around legally i wonder what can punk do can he take that belt i mean he's not gonna go work indies or anything but can he just show up anywhere with that belt he owns it right they gave it to him well, he won well it. no well technically it's their intellectual property on the belt so i guess that would yes hold it up. They, they, well the real world title belt controversy with flair and heenan right. and vince and etc establish intellectual property if you have the but it, it, again, but he could just walk out there with the bag. He doesn't have to show the belt. Well, yeah, the bag. But also, I wonder, and maybe this is a question for Stephen P. New: Did they ever fine tune it down to the cob, to the point where you couldn't 
advertise yourself on the wrestling program with the other ti- other company's title belt and and call it that or whatever. But if a particular replica belts are seen all over the place, if a particular belt is your property and you just happen to wear it and it's not mentioned, I don't know if they got that far. But anyway, nevertheless, it's an interesting go- point. If he had a rep, if, if CM Punk showed a front row at Monday Night Raw with a replica AEW Championship with an X painted over it, next to a fan with a replica WWE Championship and another championship with a Y painted over it, could they do anything about that? I again, one food for thought. But then we come back where boy, they're they're in a food barren desert for thought over here because the tournament match that they had for Roderick Strong to win in advance was against Trent with Muffin Top Taylor in his corner. So I'm sorry, Roderick Strong's work is brilliant, but I cannot stomach the Puddin' Gang. Roddy won that contest, moves on in the tournament. Do you have any comments about Trent's presentation i agree with you trent and chuck are the bushwhackers in 95 they're still there the kids will still pop and want to get licked on the head by them but most fans don't want to see them anymore and many fans didn't want to see them to To begin begin with with. yeah that's right and uh renee moxley good was in the back with tony storm and i don't know what in the world she's saying or talking about but it's great (laughs) i just she's lost her mind and she's some raving, terribly British proper lunatic. And whatever she's doing, at least it's different. Do you but think then, any other women in the business should look at this as a thing they could do to step out and be seen as different? Like, should, you know, Bailey maybe adopt a Margaret Dumont kind of accent? Well, you know, that is a, a question. Maybe. Either, but then Bailey would have to gain a ton of weight for Margaret Dumont. She was a a tall woman. She wasn't a fat woman. No, she was a she was a voluptuous, a a matronly, a a a Rubenesque, (laughs) statuesque woman. She's so serious in every movie. Why the fuck did she put up with Groucho? Because she. That's why they kept hiring her because she (laughs) didn't get it. She never got any of it and didn't understand why it was funny, but that was why she was perfect for the part. And she was trying to play it straight because she was a stage actress. And they didn't, they didn't want to smarten her up because it would have killed her gimmick. Speaking of killing gimmicks, I got to get to, this is the thing. Here come Tony Schiavone's in the ring and here comes hangnail page. And they're still letting this jabroni speak. And Apparently, he won the jobber battle royal uh, that Tony had on All In or All Out or... In Chicago. All Over, wherever it was. Think about that. They had him win win the charity battle royal on the pre-show in Chicago. Think they were trying to send a message? Well, and he gave the Chicago Education Fund the $50,000. I assume that's legitimate because they wouldn't say they gave it to charity, but obviously he didn't actually win it. Tony just gave it to charity and he won the battle royal. But with Paige, his hair bun thing on his head looks ridiculous. Why would you do that on purpose and come out looking like this slovenly character out on the alleyway or alleyway beside a convenience store in a bad part of town with a cardboard sign 
that says will allow you to grope me for food. I don't know. Just stop me. I'm painting a picture in my head of what this fucking guy looks like. Why is he on national TV like that? You know, I don't get anything with Adam Page, really, because it's still, there was no, there's been no character evolution since the days of the sad drunk. He's still like this sad, running away from things. <laughs> like, whatever this is. Swerve was the baby face in this to me. He was telling the truth. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I referenced earlier, if you're listening to the entire podcast in its entirety, and how else would you do something entirely? is he talks for a minute and then here comes Swerve and Prince Nana and the court, they kick Tony Schiavone out of the ring like a flunky. Can you imagine somebody telling Jim Ross in, on 1999 Raw, yeah, hey, JR, take a, take a hike. You're done. Only Vince and Triple um, H. Well, yes. And Swerve basically goes into a lot of detail and backstory about how Paige was a big deal, but now he's on the pre-show. He's not selling merchandise. He's not in any big matches. And he's doing a good promo, but he's burying Nimrod there. He had just, Paige is just standing there taking this, and it took a while. There was a lot of history gone over and a lot of detail. And Paige is just staring at him. And even when he told Paige, I'll walk you like a dog, he's just staring at him. And he had no, and finally his response was, if you want a match, go back there and talk to somebody, or with me, talk, go back there and talk to somebody and get one. And he's starting to walk out. And I'm like, what the fuck you've been coming? He's a real life Ken doll now. He has had his genitals completely shaved to a flat surface verbally by this guy. And so, well, if you want a match, go get one. And walks away from him. And then their brilliant idea, to, I guess, to show his even temperament. You always want that in a redneck cowboy baby face. It, it, then his swerve goes too far. God damn it, you've gone too far now. He said something that wasn't particularly inflammatory and well, nothing, you know. He mentioned his wife and kids. To me, that's inflammatory. No, but the things way that would get I'm a baby face going. No, but he, yes, you would have. Hey, I'll fuck your wife and adopt your kids. That might, but it was something innocuous. He just mentioned your wife and like, yeah, well, go back to your wife and kids. That's not even detrimental or something like, you see what I'm saying? It wasn't in the lexicon of wrestling insults through the years. This was not a goddamn barn burner that should have set this fucking guy's head on fire. But now after he's listened to this five minute dissertation about how he needs to change everything in his life and adjust his fucking behavior 380 degrees to the opposite, just that. He goes limp on back to your wife and kids. He turns around and storms into the ring, but he still doesn't punch the guy. He's yelling at him. And as he's yelling at him, Brian Cage, like a heel would do, comes from behind and just wallops him and, they, and hits him with a couple big moves because he can't just beat a guy up. He has to pick him up and give him wrestling moves. But... That was a swerves laughing. That was a long segment. And my God, is Paige just dishwater? 
Help me. Help me. There is no help. Swerve was good. You see, that's the thing. Swerve has something. That, that was the swerve about it. That swerve was good? Yeah. Well, he's been, you know what? He's a guy that the booking kind of sucks, but he's good and people react to him, but then the booking kind of has to match that at some point. What do you think about him and Adam Page? I try not to think about him and Adam Page. I don't want to see Adam Page. He is, you know that he's one of these miserable panties in a bunch up around his little uterus, fucking whiny, complainy, meh. And well, yeah. there's nothing about him as a wrestling personality that I, he does the nice thing that he, he never misses that flip over the rope and landing on his feet. But otherwise than that, and, and boy, when he stands up there on the top rope and just blindly leaps off and flips backwards off into the fucking crowd, assuming that the motherfucker that was there 30 or 45 seconds ago is still right where he left him. That's wow. But you d he's wishy-washy on promos. And eh, I don't believe he was the world champion. Nobody believed him there. Imagine how much fucking territory that takes in. All right. What do you think about Paige? I think the AEW hardcore like Young Bucks fan will love him. And anyone who watches this show just sees him as a weak baby face that's constantly in the top mix for some reason. Because he got the right friends. Because he got the right friends. I think, I know you don't like Omega at all, and I'm not saying you have to, but he's the only one out of all of them that's really a star in my eyes. You think that's what's given him all those injuries that he's had fixed over the last year or two is from carrying all these other fuckers on his back? I think that's why they said they were going to negotiate with WWE all four. Like, it had yeah. to be the whole group. Yeah, Whatever Kenny does, we're going to do. Yeah, you have no choice. Everyone turns off the show every time you guys are on. Hey, you know, they're still thinking back. That one time, that one time, Larry, Moe, and Curly broke away from Ted Healy, and their careers took off rather than the other way around. But that's because Ted Healy was an alcoholic. So if Kenny well, doesn't have any problems with any substances, then everything should be okay. Also, the Stooges knew how to work. That's true. Well, speaking of not knowing how to work, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the purpose of what they did at the end of this program is, or was, or could be, and maybe you made it to the end. But the, another tournament match is Darby Allen versus Nick Wayne. And I was, wait, what, what is the purpose of this? Two baby faces, and the whole thing is the friends, the fucking goddamn protege. And why would Nick Wayne, when they just signed him at the age of 18 two months ago, be in this tournament to goddamn begin with? When has he won a match yet? And... Uh, they booked this specifically for these two guys so they could do their fucking gymnastics. And visually, it made the program look like two children with a total weight of 285 pounds doing fucking cheerleading routines, but violently. The aggressive parkour, whatever the fuck. And then 
they started doing the you hit me and I'll hit you with the forearms, but they're standing there. Neither one of them weighs 170 pounds. And then Darby, in the middle of the match, got the microphone. This was so indie. He got the microphone and told old Nick, you hit like an 18-year-old kid. You can hit me harder than that. And put his hands behind his back and stuck his chin out so that Nick could hit him hard in a supposed fucking fight, match, contest, whatever. And then Nick Wayne super kicks him. So I guess he's turning heel on his friend Darby. If you put your hands behind your back and told your protege, Brian, to fucking hit you in the face with his fist harder and he super kicked you instead, would you ever forgive him? No. So I didn't but Darby's Darby's very forgiving. That's been established. I didn't forgive any of these people because when I saw that spot, I said, I quit. This show has been long enough and I turned it off. I don't know what happened. I don't know who won. I don't know who ran out because somebody had to. Do you remember or does anybody even care? Well, Darby won the match and uh, him and Nick Wayne are cool once again. And why do we the super kick again? Why another tournament? It's just nonstop tournaments. There's always an eliminator tournament for this or just a regular eliminator match, and it's too much. Did anybody run in? I don't remember. Maybe Christian and Luchasaurus got involved. I don't remember. Oh, good Lord. I was kind of, I think I was, you were, I was, and I think a lot of the viewers probably by the end of this show were just like, you know, there's got to be something else to do. Well, what did the viewers think of this program? Because as I said earlier, I still don't know what the fucking ratings were, but I assume they had to be abysmal. Can you help me out on this? Yeah, last week's AEW Dynamite ratings from TBS. And this was for September whatever the fuck? September whatever the fuck, known as September 6th in the calendar, the Gregorian calendar. Those people again? September 6th. AEW Dynamite was watched by 887,000 viewers on average. Good Lord. They, I'll tell you what, now whatever season that was conflicting with them uh, is over, they, they, they're keeping this audience at least at the, uh, on average 800 and something thousand every week. I don't see how with these fucking programs, but go ahead. Well, quarter one, and these were compiled by WrestleNomics, 8 to 8.15 p.m., Orange Cassidy's live promo, and John Moxley versus A.R. Fox through an ad break, 982,000 viewers. Good. Okay, I see what helped the average is that's a significantly larger lead-in than they've been getting lately, isn't it? I think that they may haven't be, been close to a million in a while. No, that's the largest number in a while. And I'm looking at the trend line here that WrestleNomics has, and it's significantly above that. But quarter two, 8.15, 8.30 p.m., the finish of Moxley versus A.R. Fox, the post-match with Darby Allen, Nick Wayne, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and an ad break. Chris Statlander versus Emi Sakura. Oh, good Lord. And Roderick Strong and the Kingdom's therapy video. 889,000 viewers. Jesus, okay. Um, 
almost a hundred thousand ninety three ninety yeah ninety three thousand said. Pfft. So a silver dome full of fans turned off the show. <laughs> Quarter three, eight thirty to eight forty five p.m. Aussie Open versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with picture-in-picture ads and the post-match angle, 938,000 viewers. Okay, now do you think... And the high point in the key demo, 440,000. Do you think even their fans now are starting to just pick and choose? Like, let me check back every 15 minutes or whatever. That's awful big fluctuation for those numbers i think there are fans who wait for an mjf segment and i think the ratings have shown that that there are fans who kind of are in and out and then once mjf is doing an angle or a promo against someone they stay for a while and then they get driven away (laughs) that's we've seen that though in the ratings multiple times quarter four quarter four 8 45 to 9 p.m ricky stark's backstage promo an ad break, Don Callis' backstage promo, and the beginning of the MJF Samoa Joe live promo, 912,000 viewers. All righty, so that is the end of the first hour, and MJF's just gotten a ring. Do we go up or do we go down? Well, the big 9 o'clock hour, quarter 5, 9 to 9, 15 p.m., the MJF Samoa Joe live promo and confrontation and angle with Adam Cole running out, and an ad break, 949,000 viewers. Whoa, so they popped up another 37,000, and that is the second highest quarter so far of the show next to the start. That's right. Quarter 6, 9.15 and 9.30 p.m., Roderick Strong versus Trent Beretta with picture-in-picture ads, the post-match with the Kingdom, Tony Storm's backstage promo and an ad break, 845,000 viewers. Ouch. Okay, and then there you go. 104,000 people said, we've seen MJF. Time to go. Quarter 7, 9.30 to 9.45 p.m. The Adam Page Swerve Strickland live promo and confrontation with the Mogul Embassy running out. You'd have to have been a hearty soul to fucking sit through that whole thing. Hardy Souls over a catering. 858,000 viewers. Son of a gun! Apparently there was 13,000 extra, extra Hardy Souls. Well, then this does not bode tremendously well for the final 15 minutes of the program as I'm looking at this average. And there's also a two-minute overrun. I'll give you that separately. But here we go, 9.45 to 10 p.m., quarter eight. Darby Allen versus Nick Wayne with picture-in-picture ads twice, 730,000 viewers. Ew. With an overrun of 835 for two minutes, so I don't know how much that can really be looked at. Uh, So that's 128,000. That's one of the bigger one-quarter drops. You had to know, because why would anybody want to see that, even if they like those guys? If they like them, why do they want to see them fight each other? And then it was the shits. But so they were down 252,000 from the start of the program. And I think that may be a new record percentage wise because that's what 26, 27% of the initial audience was not there at the end. I would think if you were going to do the little buddy angle, 
Usually it means you introduce the character on TV, people start to get to know them, they associate that person with the star they're aligned with because they've been there a while, they have fans. Right. Start to maybe do some tag matches. Then he finally gets the big singles opportunity against someone, and he gets a win. Not you do all that, and he gets his big singles opportunity against his buddy, <laughs> acts like a dick in the match, and then all is forgiven, and they move on as a team. Like, why do that? Like, there's so many weird... Like, Dax Harwood, they keep putting him in these singles matches, and he loses, and you know he's going to lose. He's won one singles match. It was against Cash Wheeler. Like, it's just the weirdest booking decisions when it comes to what to do with people that are a team or friends or aligned with each other. Nick Wayne, despite what AEW thinks internally or the most hardcore fans think, he's not yet established. You're just doing that. So when you put him in that spot, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Uh, But you know what? Right now, I'm thinking Shad Khan has to be seeing these these numbers and hearing about these accusations and firings and gooslings being thrown about and bandied about and thinking, I need a drink. You're talking about the Jaguars or AEW? Well, either one. Ah. Whether it's the football or the wrestling, something is going to drive him to drink, probably his chauffeur in his limousine. But if Shad <laughs> Khan's drinking... All the rest of us need to be drinking, too, well, and folks... Well, hold on. We, we don't know that he's drinking. We got to make sure we stipulate that. We don't know anything about his personal habits. I and... don't think you can. a human being can't live without drinking some type of liquid for sustenance. So he's drinking. We know he's drinking. Well, uh, Question is, what's he drinking? I'll tell you what he ought to be drinking. Fine wines from First Leaf. That's what he ought to be drinking. Because, it, it, you know, the summer is almost over, but now we're going to be doing the barbecues in the fall and the family vacations and camping trips and things like that. If you're going to be around your family, you need some wine, folks. And I'll tell you what, we got our box of first leaf. Estace, of course, is the resident wine expert. She picked everything out. And I got to tell you, by the time she finished picking out this whole case of wine and then drinking them one after the other, she was up Whoa. on the roof in a ballet skirt doing a pirouette with Harley Quinn on her on her head. Now, you will love the wines. What? What now? You will love the wines in a responsible and traditional manner. Now, I have not heard any other tales of this, so I think this may be a hyperbolic tale. There were no dances on the roof. No, she wasn't wearing the hyperbolic tail. <laughs> we got that for the Halloween costume. <laughs> But to get started with First Leaf, folks, because it's, it's, a, it's a monthly wine-type delivery of things. And to get started, all you got to do is answer some quick questions about your likes and dislikes right on their website. And, for example, they'll, they'll ask you things about what you like to eat and drink and what your social security number is, what your parents' names were, and different passcodes that you might have. And then their expert team will select a customized assortment of world-class wines based on your preference. And your personalized wine shipments are delivered right to your door or potentially your window, whichever orifice of your home that you would like to. Your door, your front door. Let's say the door is stuck or the door is locked and you need a drink bad. Just set it outside the window. I'll get it. That's not the way it happens. Wherever your mailbox be, that's where you will find the nice box with all this custom wine. Well, my mailbox is on the street, but they brought my box of wine all the way to the house because you don't want to leave a box of wine sitting on the street. 
it'll go bad. Right. So they'll bring it right to you. They'll bring it to your house. They're not going to just walk around your house and bring it to a window that you're waiting at. Well, what? why not? If you're waving well, out the window going, hey, bring it over here. They can just hand it well, right through to I you. I guess technically if you're there waving, you stick your head out the window, hey, I'm over here. They could just get you the box that way, but. It might be that we're saving them a little bit of a walk. All the way to the front door when there's a perfectly good window. Anyway, folks, they're delivered to you so you can kick back and enjoy bottles that you'll love all summer long. As a matter of fact, you'll love the wine inside them as well as the collector's bottles. And they're all priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store, otherwise known as a liquor store. Plus, every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee, which is that you'll be 100% satisfied. Satisfied. They guarantee They guarantee it. that. That's right. That's, that's pretty much it right there. That's it. There's nothing you can do about it if you're not. Try to fucking complain with these people and see how far you get, but you won't be complaining because you're going to be drunk off your ass. With you're going to be happy. You're going to be happy. You're going to be happy and peppy and bursting with love. With First Leaf, just right now. Do this. What are you laughing about? Do this before you forget about it. Go to try, T-R-Y, First Leaf, as in the first leaf. It's about to come down because it's almost fall. Tryfirstleaf.com slash J-C-E to sign up. You're going to get your first six Hand curated bottles of wine for just $44.95. Now, rounding that off to $45 and figuring that there's six of them and doing the the one goes into two and the two goes into four, well, that's nigh on to less than $8 a bottle. Tryfirstleaf.com slash J C E T R Y F I R S T L E A F dot com slash J C E. E <laughs> to get your first six bottles. JCE. JCE. First lit. Tryfirstleaf.com slash JCE is what I'm trying to say. Try them and like them. We've been trying them all show, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes, that's the problem here. Well, what are we going to do to solve this problem? Is this my program this or is your, your program? <laughs> Shit, well, what are you doing on your programs this week? Oh, man, you know what? I don't even know what day this is, and uh, there's been so much going on. Go through the archives of everything. Of course, on Twitter, at Super Podcast, or on Facebook, at Facebook.com, slash Arcadian Vanguard. And the wrestling news every single day. Get the wrestling news right to you, your free daily wrestling newscast. Find out everything. That is happening in the world of wrestling for free directly from the wrestlingnews.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast Look for Arcadian Vanguards, the wrestling news. Of course, check out shut up and wrestle with Brian Solomon, S U A W pod.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast and stick to wrestling with John McAdam, McAdampod.com. Once again, wherever you find your favorite podcasts and all the other fine shows. And of course the six Oh five super podcast, the membership. Go through the archive at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mothership. Oh, oh wait just one second. Uh-oh. Since we traveled to the future, we've got an update on the stock price of uh, 
Live One, Podcast One, the whole daggum group, the whole ball of wax, the whole mess. Brian, can you give us an update on how far that they have all sunk since we spoke earlier in this program, which was yesterday afternoon? Yes, I can. And once again, this is the stock that they wanted to give us to pay us back for the money that cast media can't explain where it went. The money that Colin Thompson misappropriated, we were going to get in part payment in stock, the stock in Podcast One. Podcast One, as we are recording, September 12th, 2.29 p.m. is at $2.74 a share. (laughs) It is down 63 cents today, or 18.69%. And it started out... Friday morning, this is only the third trading day. Friday morning, it was at $8, which is the arbitrary value that they gave it to start with, and it plummeted almost 50% that day and has continued to devalue. But what's the parent company going for over there these days? Well, that's another important thing. I just want to follow up on what you just said. They were looking at a valuation of, they were looking at having the stock go at between $8 to $12 a share. Then they announced that they were going to be $8 a share. By the time the stock opened, the first buy, I believe, is at $5.80. <laughs> so it dropped right away because no one was going to buy it at $8. Now it's at $2.74. The parent company, Live One, LVO on the stock market, on NASDAQ. NASDAQ's doing a wonderful job with their due diligence with who they deal with lately. This stock is, again, the parent company. They own podcast one they currently own 80 percent of the podcast one stock they own slacker radio various other entities tied up or entangled or outright owned by live one their stock is at one dollar and 18 cents a share that's down 24 cents today or 17.25 percent and and do we know where that was on friday when this other debacle began uh, well, if I go back five days, it was $1.76 Wednesday the 6th. So it it wasn't even a stock that you, if you had any appreciable amount of money in this stock, you'd have to carry the stock around in a wheelbarrow to begin with. Again, some people like playing games, some people like trading, some people are into options, whatever it may be. I'm an investor. I'm not a trader. So this would have no interest to me, but there may be some people who can make a fast, you know, a fast uh, amount of money playing games with this stock, but I would want nothing to do with this stock. As an investor, I would never buy either of these stocks, and as I have proven, I wouldn't even accept it if you offered to give it to me. (laughs) If only somebody could have known six weeks ago that this shit was going to end up being as worthless as toilet paper. Oh, we did. Wonder how, you know, how that escaped scrutiny until just recently. But nevertheless, should we move on to the final program that we're going to be speaking of from this past week, the the most recent collision effort? And uh, should we even apply the word effort? They're not trying you know, at all now. You and me may have some disagreements here. I ended up enjoying a lot of this show more than I thought I would. Well, I'd like to know what part of it you did. I don't remember offhand. I'm waiting for you to go through the show, but I remember watching it and being like, wow, you know, I, I think this segment's good. Wow, this is a good angle. Were you on any kind of painkillers or supplements or no. they give elevational? You, they give you Advil now and say, ice it. 
They don't give you any painkillers. I haven't seen a painkiller in years. I can cut off my arm. They'll give me Advil. Maybe you should have cut your fucking arm off and beat the doctor over the head with it until he gave you something to erase your hallucinations you were having the other night. Collision on September 9th. You lose one guy. And a whole television program loses its focus, loses its continuity, loses its its purpose in life. And it becomes just like the thing that we don't like on the other night. That's my summation of what we're going to see here. But they put the promos back. They didn't have time, apparently, last week to even do the taped promos with the match well, participants last well no last week was one of the tape shows that they were doing when no, they were all running over to england or coming back from england or whatever they couldn't do the promos because it opened with tony's announcement well that's there you go and that was much more riveting uh but we got samoa joe and penthouse and roddy and darby and then elton and then we got a, a new bunch of video on the open where they took punk out and pockets is in there. And I'm like, what a trade as like, as in the words of Lance storm one time, it's like trading your house for a tent. So then they play the plumber's music and here he comes from the parking lot to defend the interstates United continental title against that Huge top babyface superstar that was elevated by Chris Jericho, oh, those many months ago, Action Andretti. Now, can Former I, Moxley versus Action Andretti opened this program. Go ahead. I'm going to say a couple of things that you'll disagree with, but let me get it right out of the way. I enjoyed this match way more than I should have. Part of it's because Action Andretti is going to go for his shit, whether he's near landing or not. And I think <laughs> this may have been the most responsible I've ever seen John Moxley. Because he had to save this guy a couple times. When he did that move to the floor, he had to like literally throw himself in front of the guy. He's just flinging himself all over the place. So I got a kick out of the match because of that. I chose to fling myself 17 minutes into the future. And Moxley won with a choke. And yes, after that first match, we were 17 minutes into the show. And then... Again, I mentioned this when we talked about Wednesday night, but it was even worse here. The they did a a history package on Roderick Strong and Adam Cole and their their history together, their friendship, and now potentially degenerating into a rivalry over this whole MJF thing. This is a story you could tell seriously, and it's a lot of it is true, but with Taven and Bennett sitting there so somberly and shaking their heads like they're at a funeral. And Roderick is reciting the story. And it's so, it's it, it looks stagey dramatic. And he's like, I just want my friend back. Is it, it's corny or what is it, Brian? Help me with a different it's, simile. No, it's too corny. It's too just, you know, again, wrestling... Feuds start because friends stop being friends for one reason or another, but they don't have to make it about the friendship like that. Or you could yell, or you could have emotion. But when it's, I want my friend... Why would Adam Cole want to be friends with him, by the way, after all this shit? What the fuck is all and, this? And also, they're in being so overly serious, they're actually being silly about it. They're making it 
it's not funny, but they're trying to make it funny by being the, the heels here. I guess they're the heels being so serious about this, unless it are Taven and Bennett trying to fucking wind Roddy up and they're going to turn on him. Maybe that that's why they're, I, I don't know why they're acting this way is what I'm saying to you. But you know, the other part of it is you have to wonder with AEW and possibly this is specific to AEW that if you want to get things over, you have to have this, you know, MJF and Cole had all their silly little video packages. And then when they would do stuff in the ring, there may be some elements Look, other than a kangaroo shit, uh, kangaroo kick and everything else. But in terms of their promos, there may be some jokes and stuff, but it got more serious and it hit a little better. And again, it did well in the ratings. Roddy Strong has never had a distinguishable personality and he's sort of getting one now. And although I agree with you, and again, Matt Taven looks ridiculous sitting behind him. It cracks me up. But... We do that to get to the point of Roddy in the ring doing what he's doing now. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I'm not agreeing with it, but I feel like with AEW, unfortunately, that's what they make fans have to do. You have to sit through all the silly shit to get the serious moment that you will get. Uh, and I just, again, with Taven and Bennett, they're fucking good. They're good in the ring. We're seeing this these fucking Andrettis and these goddamn nameless, faceless fucking job guys and uh, you know i understand moxley is a name even though he's the shits too but they're so much better than so many guys that we see on this television and they're just sitting there they get give them a tag match and get them over as the guys that are backing roddy up in his fight to get his friend back or whatever the fuck i don't know yeah, Bennett Speak did that promo remember Bennett just like what was it a week ago or two weeks ago Bennett did like a really good promo in the ring yeah. Have they ever wrestled on this program? They must have. Not, well, not Collision. I mean, Dynamite. Because Collision's not that old, but they've been around for, have they ever wrestled on Dynamite? They just stick them in Ring of Honor, YouTube, whatever. I don't know. I forgot we were talking about Collision. I was going to say they must have. And then you said, no, Collision. They are two different shows. Yeah, well, it, but still, have they wrestled on TBS or TNT or anything that normal people might watch? <sighs> Speaking of normal people watching, Chris Statlander against Robin Renegade was the next match. And Robin has a twin sister. And why is her name Charlotte? Robin and Charlotte Renegade. Shouldn't it be like Robin and Renee Renegade or Robin and Rhonda Renegade? Are? This seems like something Vince would say, that, you know, it has to be the same letter for both names. Well, but it doesn't say, it doesn't flow. It doesn't flow off your tongue. If I don't, if one of these girls doesn't flow off my tongue, I don't see what the good of it is. But anyway, Statlander won. And then the renegade sisters attacked her, and they started playing music, and here came Brian, I called it, I said, they need Jane Cargill back, and they brought Jane Cargill back. So now they're in good hands. They lost Punk, but they got Jane. Jane, you're playing a game. You never will win, girl. But she did hear she beat up the heels and saved Statlander and then picked Statlander up and gave her her finish. So. 
they put her over 70 times in a row. She did one job. She took three months off. She comes back and she beats up everybody in sight again. And she feels like a bigger star than everyone in the division. Yeah, imagine if they'd have pushed somebody else like that. Yeah, but she's aged. Have you noticed that? She's gotten a lot of older. Her hair was completely gray. Well, speaking of gray, let's hope this means a return from Layla Gray. Oh, that's because we got to get the baddies, right? I don't know. Unless she's like now in a new phase of her life and career and baddies are a thing in the past. Now she's, uh, now she's, now she's a goodie. Now she's a goodie. <laughs> now she's a goodie. Well, that's the thing to hit. When, when she dropped the baddies, did the baddies have to turn goodie or could they continue being baddies? You know what sucked? The worst thing about this whole thing was Jade does all this. She comes out there, beats everyone up. And I'm like, all right, Jade's back. We'll get some moments to talk about out of this. And then Mark Sterling gets in the ring. And I'm like, no! Yeah, yeah. No! I forgot he was aligned with her. Which says yeah, something, because yeah. she was on TV nonstop, and I completely <laughs> forgot she had the worst manager with her. Well, now there's, there's competition now for that slot, but Mark does have a good body of work to qualify him. Um, okay, explain to me... Brad, if you will, when Tony Schiavone had the sit-down with Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston, where they're finally going to be forced to explain what the problem is between the two of them and get it out and clear the air, and after they finished, explain to me what the problem is between them. I'm waiting. Excellent question. The problem is not specifically defined, however... There may be several root causes, including, but not limited to, Claudio refusing to shake Eddie Kingston's hand years ago, or was it Eddie refused to shake Claudio's hand? At some point, one of them refused to shake the other one's hand on the indies, and then Claudio went to WWE, and they just don't want to shake hands, they rather just fight, I don't know what the problem is, <laughs> I don't know what the problem, I, I will say this, Eddie Kingston shines in segments like this and he feels so real and people i think could get behind that i didn't think claudio you know was that good in this kind of situation well i will agree with that assessment and i will raise you that normally i i think that about kingston but i would have liked to understood his side maybe so i could agree with it in this and claudio I think in his defense was as confused as the rest of us were because I am a robot from Europe. I will say nothing I, in any way that sounds like I care about any of this. I took notes on a few things that were said. Claudio said he doesn't really remember why that he and Eddie Kingston have a problem. And Eddie Kingston kept going, you know what you did? You know what you did? You know, you left the Indies without doing business with me. You went to the land of make-believe. We lived together. You met my parents. I'm like, were they dating? Um, without doing, you left the Indies without doing business with me. Well, that kind of means that, you know, you wouldn't put me over in what, Cherry Hill, New Jersey before I don't, but nobody, nobody's just sitting there watching this television show would understand. Did they have a you business know, deal? What kind of business are they doing? What are they talking yeah, about? Yeah. And then Kingston said, he's going to put the, he couldn't even hardly spit it out. New Japan Pro Wrestling strong open weight title up 
And Claudio says that he will accept that match if Kingston will shake his hand, I think. But the Ring of Honor title may be up, but I'm not sure. And then both guys walked off and left Tony confused, as we are. So the mat, they're going to have a match, and Eddie's belt is going to be up. I think they said Claudio's was going to be up, but Claudio would only accept this match if Kingston would shake his hand, I guess, when he beats him afterwards. This was not clear. It's, it certainly wasn't as easy to understand as the explanation I just gave. No, and it's been going on for a while, and the perfect place and the perfect way to end it is with Eddie Kingston getting a major pop winning in Queens against Claudio. Oh, well, there you go, because he's the king of Queens. Well, no, I think he's from Yonkers, but... New York. We support well, you, fellow New it, Yorkers and northern New Jerseyers. The, the king of Queens sounds better than the guy that's bonkers and yonkers. <laughs> See, that's pretty good. I've never so, heard that before. <laughs> you know, do you want to go see the, Do you want to go see the king of Queens win his match, or do you want to see the guy go bonkers and yonkers? <laughs> All right. All right. So the next match. Apparently, they had an eight-man tag scheduled, but Jay White was unable to come to the television because he had personal reasons, is what we saw on the internet, right? Personal reasons he couldn't be there. <sighs> if you're going to say something, but you can't say anything, why do you say something? Even, even if you have, say, travel difficulties, for fuck's sake. But nevertheless, so they may they carved it down, they whittled it down to a six-man tag with Juice Robinson and the Gun Boys against, and I am not making this up, Gravity, Aerostar, and Dios El Inframundo. And again, I wish I was making a joke name up, but I'm not. That was the Dios El Inframundo. Brian, how's your school Spanish? What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. I dropped it in 10th grade. I hated the teacher I had. Uh, he was a nice guy, actually, in the end of the day, but I just got Mr. Defendini. He was a but French guy. But in the beginning guy. of the day, it was like somebody pissed in his post-toasties. What, how did he get nicer as the day went on? Well, well, he wasn't my teacher, and I got to see him as just like this, you know, I felt bad for him. I felt like he was a guy You were stuck. just seeing him on a personal basis. What, going out for coffee, or no, was that I, for when, serious? When I was you know, hang out in the hallways instead of going to class. I would end up talking to the teachers, which is how oh. I got away with it a lot of the time. And I ended up feeling a lot of sympathy for here's this big Frenchman teaching Spanish over here. And all of his students just think he's a joke and don't pay attention to him. A big Frenchman teaching Spanish that's hanging out in the hallway when he should be in class talking to a. I fucking... didn't say what he should be. I was supposed to be in class, not him. Well, if you were, if there were classes going on, shouldn't he have had one? Well, it could have been See? his shift to watch the hallway. That's typically how I ended up talking. Oh, to they just take turns up there. That's when I used to talk to Mr. Epstein about sports in the morning. Juan Epstein? Not Juan Epstein, the Puerto Rican Jew. So Dios El Inframundo. He's not Juan Ep Epstein either. No. Uh, again, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Gravity, the guy that comes out in the spacesuit walking like he's on the moon. But Aerostar, he seems like he would be some type of astronomical satellite system. Satellite <laughs> system. You know, uh, 
even if I wanted to watch this, nobody would want to hear about what happened. And Juice won it. Yes, they and would. This match was so... I couldn't take my eyes off this match. At one point, and this clip went viral, so maybe you saw this, because the referee, there was nothing he could do. The one guy tags the other guy who's already in the ring. <laughs> he's not on the apron. He's in the ring, and he tags him, and it gets out, and the referee, not exactly a Rick Knox move, but there was nothing he could do. He's just like, you gotta, you, ah, ah. He tagged the guy in the ring. I've never seen that before. Well, we, we get on them because they don't tag each other in and out, the luchadors. I'd like to see a little lucha less of the luchadors. And Juice Robinson really shined in this. Well, he does every time they give him a chance. That's why I wish they'd give him a chance with quality American-style talent that doesn't ruin... I mean, the guns work their ass off. You know, anytime you give them an opening, they're out there, yeah. they're bumping hard, they're running hard, they're working hard. Jumping. And Juice is a personality. But having to work with these guys that are the shits at American-style wrestling, and and who knows, I don't know if I'm qualified to say, but they probably ain't that good at Lucha. But it makes the guns and Juice or any American-style wrestler look like shit to have to work with these fucking you know, ping pong balls and, and try to do their shit. It turns the match into a clumsy, you know, unprofessional exhibition of blah, like tagging the guy while he's already in the ring. And everybody, Aerostar, Gravity, and fucking Dio Framundo, or, you know, I come from the land down under, whoever the fuck he is. They're not going to get over it. They're not going to sell you a goddamn ticket. Maybe one of them for three weeks will become the fucking hot flipper guy like... Who was the other hot flipper guy? Viking-o. And who was the hot flipper guy before him? I, well, I wouldn't call them hot flippers, but El Viking-o, I think, is all right. It's just he, does, he has a size issue. The problem is El Viking-o came in and was put in a main event. So if you want to see him, he may be used a little differently. They use these three guys the way they used to use the luchadors in WCW, where no matter what kind of following they had amongst lucha enthusiasts, no matter what kind of following they had amongst sheet readers, the people who watched WCW saw three generic people just jumping all over the place. Jump around. Jump around. House of Pain. So... What are the odds, Brian, at this point, that we're going to keep on even watching Collision on Saturday nights? Do you think anybody's going to start betting on that? Should we try to make some money on this? Should we reveal anything, or should we try to bet some of the, the fans how long it's going to take us to cut this thing off? I know I'll put some money on this. I know what my decision is. Well, in that case, keep it secret, because I, I, we're going to check and see if our new, brand new sports betting partner... DraftKings will take some odds on this and place some bets on this because you know they're an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And I'll have you know that we are at least as popular as the NFL, if not more so. So that's if, right. If in certain can, countries, maybe. In in certain can on the Isle of Malta, we've got the whole thing wrapped up. That's right. So if they'll be an official sports betting partner, the NFL over at DraftKings, certainly they'll do the same thing for us. And folks, right now, you've heard about football coming back. It's been in all the newspapers. Well, right now, 
DraftKings Sportsbook is going to give you a bunch of money for very little money. Because with football being back in full swing and everybody wanting to bet on that, well, DraftKings is offering a deal where new customers can bet $5 on a football game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. So you just bet your $5, and then you turn around and you bet their $200. And it seems to me that if you split that up somehow, although I'm just a small-town bird lawyer and don't really know how this works, and you bet both sides of the fence, you bet on both teams, well, you'd have to win one way or the other, wouldn't you? And you're playing with the house's money. All you got to put in is $5, you get $200. Well, you could win $479,000. Where are you getting these numbers from? I don't know. (laughs) But right now, nobody's going to be missing out on the action. Because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. And we're almost halfway through September right now, so you better... Put a little hitch in your get along and get to it. Because you got to start, as I'm telling you, drain your wife's checking account. No. Take money. No. Break into the kid's piggy no, bank. Again, there's the hat trick. Ladies and gentlemen, don't do any of those things. If you are thinking about doing any of those things, you may have a gambling problem. Call someone. But if you have some discretionary income and you're looking to make a little more and you think you know a thing or two about sports, call Mike Tenay. And after that, and he doesn't take your call, go to DraftKings. Yeah, you say you want to make some money. You say you don't want to work for it. You say you want to live a life on Easy Street. You say you want to be farting through silk. All you got to do is bet this money and win. And one of them's easy. The other one might be a little more difficult. But right now, you can get in on the NFL Week 2 action or whatever week this may be by the time this program comes out with DraftKings Sportsbook. All you got to do is download the app right now and use the code JCE to sign up. New customers bet $5, take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. I'd like that in small unmarked bills with non-sequential serial numbers. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code JCE. The crown is yours. And so is the poorhouse. If you don't pick right, and win all these bets. Once again, the crown is yours. The crown is yours. All you got to do is reach up and grab that brass crown. That's right. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.sot1800gambler.net. What's the SOT, Brian? In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Hope in Y. Is that New York? Or text Hope in Y. I guess we're in New York. 46739 is the number if you don't understand Hope NY. In Connecticut, help is available. Depends on what your problem is. But for problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. And on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, we thank you for coming. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. You could be younger in some places than others. We're void in Ontario. Our bowels, our minds, everything is void up in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility 
and deposit restrictions apply. That's right. DraftKings, the official betting partner of the Jim Cornette Experience. So getting back to this program, are we betting now on how long it's going to take him to come up with a name for Miro's wife? She's only been sitting on the sidelines for about the past four or five years now. Hey, I'll tell you, she can cut a promo. Well, but that's a, it, it'd be good if we knew what to call her. And I, they haven't, have they, did they actually say that she's his wife or is she now a woman from his past? Or what is the fucking, because again, he did the, the deal where he walked off on her when she came out and hit Hobbs with a chair, blah, blah, blah. But now she's doing a dramatic reading like Miro's with all this spooky language. It was an audition for an indie film and she's a quite accomplished indie actress, I guess. But what is going on here? Who is mad at who? What is their issue? What is, what is happening? Maybe Tony to make Miro happy. Cause again, Miro has been gone for a long time and they said he rejected creative. Maybe he figured out the one way to make him happy is to put him in a feud with his wife. <laughs> Because otherwise, I don't, I don't know. Look, Miro is great in the ring. I really like Miro. And the fans all seem to get behind Miro. It's just everything about getting him to the ring is the problem. And all of these promos, even with him, he could deliver a line with some conviction, but he's in like a, a fucking soundstage and he's talking gibberish. Well, and he's ob obviously, he's writing this himself. This is his, and maybe he's explained it to Tony and whoever else is interested so they understand what he's saying. But otherwise, it's a lot of, you know, uh, cool references like, I forsake you, my God, and my hot and flexible double-jointed wife or whatever the fuck. But it, it comes to nothing at the end of it when you don't understand the fuck is going on here. And with her, what the fuck is going on here? Who's mad at who and why? And what's the bone of contention amongst these people? It, it's very flowery language. <clears throat> Did you notice the Dork Order is doing more comedy spots of some description where the, they... What was this? I don't know. This was the Young Bucks getting a lot of their power back. <laughs> no, this was... Um... There are people that are still there for no good reason. There are people that have contracts for no good reason. There are people that a lot of other fans are sick of, and the Dark Order is certainly one of them, and I don't think anyone really wants to see them beyond the most hardcore of the, you know, Bucks comedy fans. But they stood there, the three main ones, uh, Little Brutus, Long John Silver, and, and no, Pizzeria Uno. Those are the it? only three, aren't they? There are no other members at this point. Well, I don't know. I don't care. But that was the three main offenders. And, but they're doing like, it's a, now it's a takeoff. Remember, join the Dark Order. And it was kind of, you know, with an evil mind. But now it's, they're all being happy. Join us. We'd like to have you join us so we can join you. I don't know what the... Um, then we continued with the AAA match of the week. This was an entire Lucha Wrestling program. Felix wrestled Angelico. And nobody I was so upset about this because they didn't even give Angelico his entrance where he does that funny dance. Oh, for God's sake. So if you're not going to give him that, what's the point? 
nobody north of the Rio Grande could have stomached it's it, it it's one legitimate luchador and one fake luchador doing break dancing right Abby what so we know what happened there penthouse one FTR Imagine that. They have the greatest wrestling match on television of modern times, and now they do sit-downs with Tony when and they're aired when time permits. And they said they've beaten everybody. Who's next? And they have proposed FTR's open challenge to any young team that wants to step up. What now are they going to have them work with the fucking guys they've just signed off the goddamn indie circuit or what what does that mean or just anybody or are they going to throw the ringers in and the buckaroos are going to come out dressed as action andretti and gravity well they already announced next week i think it's going to be ftr against uh iron savages oh jesus mary and joseph all right well maybe the uh their manager can go he's, out jo- and he's some, joseph eat some ass he's the joseph now he wants the joseph. guy who wanted to eat the ass was the wrestler not the manager i thought the manager was the ass eater no it was the guy who was in the middle of the ring he decided that in the middle of his match that was the time to make this announcement <sighs> the manager had to manage the situation the press fallout from such a declaration well let's manage to move on <laughs> is this the end of- no there's still more shit there's, hold on, let me see how much more is it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Okay, moving quickly. So we're going to see Roddy against Darby. And I wasn't upset about that because Roderick Strong is not only tremendous, but also has enough experience that he could probably lead this fucking guy through an excellent match, right? So as he's right as Darby, uh, go ahead. What, what, what? Did you skip the Danielson segment? No. Okay. Danielson's coming up here and goddamn, uh, okay. yeah, it ain't. I thought Darby Roddy ended the show. I can't remember. No, no that's where you went to sleep. Ah. What it was. Darby is riding a skateboard in the back of the building and they're going to shoot him like the fucking, like Austin's long walk at fucking WrestleMania. And suddenly, here comes Dino Douche and just fucking jumps him and backbreakers him while Christian Cage cuts promo on uh, Darby and then Dino throws him into the door, right? And then the referee and the production assistants come in to check on him and Darby starts crawling. And he's crawling on his hands and knees and he staggers down the ramp and there's Nick Wayne, you know, trying to pep him up or help give him moral support. So the giant lizard has nearly mutilated Darby, and now he's crawling to the ring on his hands and knees for the match. And like I said, a regular match with these two would have probably been good. And the idea of the angle was okay, even though the execution of it came off a little bit phony. But... So they've injured him. They've given him a, he's had to crawl on his hands and knees to go to the ring to wrestle his tournament match. And within a couple of minutes, he's fighting back and does a dive before they go to the break. 
so they've pretty much eliminated their goddamn suspense of his Darby incapacitated enough that he's going to lose this by the attack on him when he's fucking diving. And then, you know, when they, when they came back from the break, Roddy gets good heat. Darby fights from underneath. It was good, serious stuff. It was nothing too illogical in the match. Roddy's very good. And there was a spot where Roddy gave him a backbreaker on the top turnbuckle and Darby flipped over backwards to the floor. What a fucking bump. That would have been a believable countout. But if Roddy goes out and rolls him in and they go to the break and in the picture in picture, he covers him and gets a two count off that fucking stupendous bump. And then they come back again. And Darby's back fighting on the apron, and he hits a dive again. And I wrote at that point, I sure am glad that Darby was dead before he started the match, or elsewise I'm afraid he would have mutilated poor Roddy. And then here comes A.R. Fox, who comes down to ringside next to Nick Wayne, and they start arguing about, I guess, who's going to be Darby's friend, or what are you doing here? And then suddenly Nick and A.R. Fox start fighting with Taven and Bennett. And in the middle of this fight amongst these four guys on the floor, Fox thinks the best idea to combat these guys is to run and jump up on the apron, run down the apron and do a backflip off the apron onto the fucking guy that's on the floor where he just, he just ran by the guy to get up there. But when he does the backflip, the baby face was holding the one of the heels and he runs and he does the backflip, but the heel moves and so A.R. Fox lands on Nick Wayne. They could have just did a, a thrown a punch and it would have been easier, right? But they do this thing. It looked like the guy doing the fucking tunnel of circle of death, the motorcycle in the thing at the fair that rides around in the thing. He ran all the way by, by the guy that he was going to hit to run past him again to do a flip and fucking end up in the same place, only he missed him. And then Darby coffin dropped Roddy, but Roddy raised his knees and hit a backbreaker, one, two, three. And then the heels left and Nick checked on Darby and A.R. Fox was sorry, and then they had an argument. Again, Roddy is winning. You could have fucking done a goddamn forfeit because Dino Douche attacked Darby before the match. He couldn't continue. Or he could have come out and sold and made a comeback and then Roddy could have given him that goddamn backbreaker on the top turnbuckle and if he took that bump, he could get counted out. And Roddy would still advance, but you didn't have to beat Darby. Or any number of things without all of this fucking mess going on. Why did everything all have to happen? Why is there a tournament? Another <laughs> tournament? Again, just another stupid tournament. I'll say, there's so many things you can complain about with this match, but I enjoyed it. Whatever you want to say, I enjoy watching Darby get his ass kicked. I get concerned yes. as a fan watching it, but Roddy, I guess he was almost like the perfect size opponent for Roddy in a lot of ways. So I enjoyed watching what Roddy was doing too. He he doesn't make Roddy look small. Roddy's in such great shape physically yeah. and his stature matches his frame and et cetera, but he's still a smaller guy, but he hits hard and he's aggressive. And when you got a guy the size of Darby, 
Roddy can be a bully, and it's believable. And this is going to be the big test because they're trying something with him. He got a win over Darby. He's a heel. He has a little bit of a stable. He's feuding with MJF and Cole, showing personality. So they're really trying a Roddy Strong right now. And I like the, you know, again, the silliness, but I like him going out there with the neck brace, taking it off, wrestling like a modern Malenko, and then going back with his uh, friends. I'd rather see Roddy than El Segundo del Calabasas or whatever the guy's name was. Uh, Keith Lee did an interview in his jovial sing-song delivery. He has made himself as completely uninteresting and unintimidating as a 350-pound man could possibly be. Has he not? Do you even give a shit if you ever see him again at this point? Ever, we've, when we saw him in NXT, we thought, wow, you could do something with that. And why are they making him talk so funny? And then he leaves and we find out he makes himself talk funny. And it's been, maybe it was the cinder block that Swerve broke on him that he never got even for. Maybe that has broken him mentally. I don't know. Who are the righteous? Another is, it, is, this a is this a trick question? I don't know. No, the VTR on The Righteous, another spooky group of spooky people saying and doing spooky things in a spooky fashion, now with fucking Stu Grayson. The dork order reject that... <sighs> then Tony Schiavone introduced Brian Danielson. Now we get to that segment. See, you thought, see, you thought I was skipping over things. I would not do that on a program like this. And Tony Schiavone is in the ring. He's the interviewer, right? And just earlier, he was told to fuck off. Well, this time, he asked Danny, he refers to Danielson beating Starks in the strap match. And then he says, what's next for you, Brian Danielson? And he hands Brian the microphone and he fucks off on his own. What, what, can they not even figure out how the host of the program interviews somebody? What the fuck is he in there for if he's just going to hand him the microphone and wander off? Does this bother you as much as it bothers me? I mean, it's stupid, but I'm kind of, unfortunately, they've made us kind of used to it. They never do it the right way. So Brian Danielson promised his daughter that he would slow down when she's seven and he's six now. And I thought the crowd was going to turn on his daughter, and there was, there was rumblings. I figured we were going to get a you-fucked-up chant for his daughter or something. But he continued that he's not going to go gently, and, it, and he fired up and he said, if this is my last year, this will be the most epic year of my career. And he can talk when he... with with emotion and genuineness and sincerity and all that stuff when he gets fired up, especially. And, you know, okay, I'm in this and I'm in this, I'm in it with him. And then he says, it's going to be epic. And on October 1st at the new pay-per-view, I want to fight Zack Sabre Jr. And I'm like, what the fuck? <sighs> We saw him, what, twice on fucking TV? Have we? I think so, yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, what? what is this, what, who, why? 
And then here comes Starks out with Big Bill. And his thing again, Starks is complaining because Danielson now is on collision and I'm in catering again. And he's having to make his own opportunities again. And he cut a nice promo to get himself over, just bragging on himself, making himself a heel. Like I think you've mentioned it. He comes off like he's somebody. And he's treating himself like somebody. And Big Bill has a purpose now to be the big stooge. And it looks good. They got nice chemistry. And I think that Starks is growing into being more and more comfortable on his promos. But then he got Danielson fired up. And they went back and forth. Well, you know, Danielson saw what Starks had inside in that strap match. He put him to the test, and he approves of him. And Danielson starts saying there's a reason why that we've always said in the BBC, if you want to be with us, you got to bleed with us. It sounded like Danielson was about to say, "I've earned, you've earned my respect," or you know, whatever. Hey, join the party. And I'm wondering if it was maybe a little quick because as soon as he said that, and Starks was almost kind of reaching out like there was going to be a handshake, but Danielson hadn't offered, and Big Bill just fucking hammered. Danielson and down he went. So that was that was kind of uh then we knew who who was on everybody's side at that point, but then Starks gets on Danielson. Here comes Moxley, but Big Bill takes him out, and this was the problem. Big Bill takes out Moxley, and instead of I don't anything else. Instead of kicking him three or four times right in the head with a seven-foot fucking 300-pound guy might look good or doing something vicious, he gets on top of him and I use the word hits in quotation marks, hits him with 11 fake punches, some of which didn't even come anywhere near his head. And the camera's on him. Does anybody watch this back and not say to themselves, why did I fucking do that and I will never do that again? Because it happens over and over. You can tell the fist is coming nowhere near the opponent. Why is this not rectified? Why are there not being fines levied? Are there no prisons, no workhouses? And then Starks choked Danielson out with a belt. So they left the plumber and Danielson laying, and only top guys should be allowed to do that. So apparently, Starks and Big Bill are joining the upper echelon of the program. You know, I thought the promo was interesting. The idea they're teasing this is the last year of Danielson. Pretty good promo. Again, challenging Zack Sabre Jr. That was more for the inside fans and the fans that are there and the fans in New Japan. But Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks stole the show. Ricky Starks shined once again. Even Moxley went down. Moxley sold a little bit for these people. Danielson, I don't know, was he choked up by a belt or was he choked up by his own shirt? 
I thought it was maybe it wasn't a championship belt. I thought it was some type of belt or, or strap, but it could have been his shirt. I'm not sure. But you know, he saw he put that over pretty big. I'm surprised no one ran in to check on them because they were just laying there for a while. Moxley at least was moving. Danielson did not move, and he just got choked. No one went to see if he was breathing. <laughs> He's just laying there face down after all this happened. But they're doing something with Big Bill and uh, Ricky Stark. Well, they would do more of Big Bill on this show. But I, uh, I like this. I thought this was the highlight of the show. Well, when they came back, I still liked MJF and Samoa Joe, but this wasn't... That was the other show. That was Dynamite. Oh, that's right. Well, see, goddamn, every three hours they do one good segment. All right, but after the break on this, Tony was back with Big Bill, who is apparently going to face the plumber next Wednesday or this Wednesday or on the next program. So good God, that has... All the classic earmarks of wretch-inducing behavior. They shouldn't beat him yet. Well, they can't. They can't have a finish because unless Moxley puts him over, and I, yeah, well, you know, who knows? They do strange things. As bad as I hate Moxley, I don't know if I'd had Moxley doing a job right now for Big Bill when he could do one for Starks. And that would be preferable. But nevertheless, um. Big Bill's promo was okay. It was a bit odd. He's showing a little personality, but he needs to get comfortable with it. Look, look, look us in the eye a little bit more. But then the Lucha Brothers came in, pissed off that Big Bill is getting a title shot at uh, that the Intercontinental States Championship that the Plumber has, and Bill blew him off and left. But again, are the Lucha Brothers baby faces or heels? Yes. Okay. And then we came to the main event. For the Ring of Honor TV title, Samoa Joe versus Penthouse. And again, I'm a big fan of Samoa Joe's, and this is the best he's been used in years anywhere. And I'm firmly in favor of him goddamn reaching the heights of pro wrestling. But I can't take 15 more minutes of any more of this lucha bullshit just to see Samoa Joe. And to be honest, at this point in time in his push, I think it pretty much, it doesn't ruin, but it damages Joe's mystique as a kick-ass badass that this fucking clown can beat him up and or hang with him for 15 fucking minutes. And then finally, I, was, I skipped to the finish, which Penthouse went for a dive and Joe walked off on him, and he crashed through a table that was conveniently leaned up at ringside. And then Joe rolled him in and covered him and got a two count. And then it was 10 o'clock, and my DVR froze because they can't manage their time. And I don't, I assume Joe won. I hope to God he did, but I don't know how. He did. Do you remember? I don't remember how, but he did. And I don't think we should review this show anymore. I think I, what's the, I'm hearing from the listeners right now. They're saying less of this, more of all the other fun. They're, they're saying, wait a minute. Do you want us to continue to continue talking about this program? <laughs> oh, well, Good job. Do you want us to continue talking about this, this program? We didn't continue with Rampage after it became apparent what the show was. And Dynamite is the main show. Dynamite's where yeah. they're doing all the big things. And even if they do it somewhere else, they're going to have to show it to us there. 
And if something big happens, we could always watch an isolated clip of something that we need to see an angle or a match. Well, but- remember I said a couple weeks ago, when the punk news broke, I said, all right, we're going to have to give Collision a few weeks and see if it turns into dynamite light. And it didn't take them long. Uh, Think about it. That? Less Collision, more classic wrestling. Yes. Is is anything announced for this Saturday night? Uh, hold on right now, uh, because obviously, as we are recording, we have not yet seen what's going to be on Wednesday night. And I think that's probably when they would announce it. But AEW Collision... For September something. <laughs> September something. September 16th, 2023. And if I go to the AEW website, there will be, there's one match listed so far. It is FTR versus the Iron Savages. Well, State unless, College PA. Unless uh, they augment that card, I'm, I'm with you. I believe Collision has just become Rampage, skippable. All right, well, let's hope they put Ricky Starks on uh, Dynamics. That's one of the few highlights left on that show, but... this is I, just... You know, we, we might have to record the thing and just skip through to see what MJF and Starks do. Okay, MJF hasn't been on it that much, but Starks, Samoa Joe, and, and select Joe. FTR matches. Does You think FTR will ever wrestle again? Well, they're wrestling the Iron Savages in the uh, ass-eating championship this weekend. We'll see what happens But I mean, it's, it's been... It's been what's a couple months since they had the greatest tag team match of all time, and we haven't seen them on television. So if they have the crummy match with the Iron Horse War Savages, then it'll probably be six months before we get to see them again. You got to figure at some point we're going to get to see them against Juice and Jay White, third match, right? Well, no, no, I don't, because it's going to be too good, and it'll it, that'll be another match that was better than FTR and the Bucks and the Buckaroos will get their panties in a bunch. Well, Jim, I could tell that we're getting ready to wrap up this show, and uh, thank God. Because I'm getting cranky. You are. Just before we go, uh, right now, Courtside Group, a.k.a. Podcast One, $2.75 a share. <laughs> Live One is at $1.15 a share. <laughs> and, uh, uh, by the way, an update, Matt Riddle, after his airport woes, was apparently not on the weekend house shows or at monday night raw and investigations are still ongoing is he the front runner to get fired by next week's program i think you're about to hear about a lot of firings now that officially we are in the beginning of the endeavor ever of owner ever the The beginning of the endeavor ever the endeavor era of ownership wherever we go We'll see. I think we're going to hear a, a lot of firings maybe not necessarily just the wrestlers but you know specifically office people it's about to happen i think Whatever we do, wherever we go, we'll always go through it together. Where's that ice pick? All righty, are we finished here? Yes. Yes. Uh, Folks, come back next week. We'll see you. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye-bye, everybody.